ridiculously shiny. Oh, you got like the the monk thing. Yeah, and um, it's any photo that you get me from the side or the back, you see this glow. And I shaved it, and Brian from Inmates to Entrepreneurs, he goes, Scott, um, are you sick? <laughs> he thought I had cancer or something. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't just to clarify uh, no, i don't that, have cancer just, that does not have cancer yeah i got your uh i got your bio man is this what you send all people or is this custom um yeah I sort of send that out to the if i end up on something it just makes it easier and i probably should update it one more time it just you know it doesn't fit everything but it gives something i like i'm impressed i didn't know you were I, I was always impressed with your your gumption for sure, but like the White House and stuff like that, I had no idea. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was a cool experience. No matter who the president is, whatever, just to go and do something like that. Was it with Trump? Yeah, it was Trump. You get to Trump meet Trump, or was it just the House? No, no, just no. He it was a whole thing where he um, just simply, you know, they play the music. He walks in, he does his speech, um, he does his thing. He, they play the music, he walks out. You know. Um, but it was cool. I was on front row. Um, yeah, I was 10, 12 feet from him, you know, right there, uh, on this, I was on his side front row. Um, yeah, it was a cool experience. Really cool experience to go do that. That's then, pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And then just after that too, I'd done, I, I went up to, uh, they asked me to go to New York city to help announce, um, prison to proprietorship program, which um, was done by Congresswoman Velasquez and Congressman Jeffries of New York. And so that was done at City Hall. And that was a unique experience too, as well. You know, that was the first time I've ever been that nervous in a long time, because it was national media release news conference thing. And oh my God, you know, it was cool. It's fun. That sounds pretty amazing. So you kind of brought up what you, what you call it, inmate to entrepreneur or something. Yeah. yeah. Let's start. Let's start a little bit about where you're from, who you are, like maybe kind of what led you to be involved in this, something like that. All right. So I'm Scott Jennings and um, uh, I own Service RX. Hold on. Wait there. I'd never get this right there. There it goes. It works both ways. You're good. Yeah. It's you and both. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I own Service RX and uh, another um, short-term rental company that I started with my wife called Sojourn International. So short-term, a short, easy way to say that is Airbnbs. We have five of them um, that we take care of, and we're hopefully in the process of working with uh, a family out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to take 2,300 acres of property and turn it into a retreat center, which is pretty cool. It's exciting, and um, it, you can let your mind go as crazy as you want because that sort of is how ours is going. When you have that much acreage, and there's ten home uh, home sites on the on the property already, and all this kind of stuff, so that's exciting. And then um, I'm also a board member and unofficial, I guess, sort of, kind of. I don't know really, but I, they sometimes I, they make me feel that way. Lead instructor with inmates to entrepreneurs and so that's exactly what the name is and that is um we work with those in prison we, we we will go in prisons when we can not right now obviously they're during a pandemic where we will go in and do a two-hour seminar on um 
on entrepreneurship to those incarcerated, but we also have a national course that we teach for those who were previously incarcerated, incarcerated or judicially involved. Um, and we teach the basics of entrepreneurship, just, you know, it, it's a one-on-one -on -one course. You know, we get them introduced the basics of financial marketing, sales, what they are and what to expect. So, and the thought process behind this is, uh, essentially you have a thousand dollars or less, how can you make money? And it's really based in the principle though, of you just got out of prison, you got a 40, $50 gate check. How can you legally take that and make real money? Because that's what it was originally based in. And so we still teach that, but we always still work with, you know, thousand dollars and less. How can you make something real with it? I like that. Yeah, pretty but cool. I mean, what I'm trying to get at is, did you get in trouble at one point? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't I, think you're shy about it. Are you? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, I don't really care and it doesn't, and it doesn't really bite me too often either. Um, I was the kid in middle school who always sold something, you know, I sold you candy. And so in, in high school, when I got high for the first time, it didn't take very long for me to decide that I want to sell this. This is easy. And, um, you know, so I sold drugs up into my thirties, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. It was just my nature. And, um, when I finally got busted, I got incarcerated for three years. Best thing that ever happened to me. And, um, I got home. I thanked the guy who might've been a backhanded thing, but I still thank the guy who busted me because he saved my life. And that was, I got busted in 2006, got incarcerated in 2007 and got out February of 2010. And so since then I've been self-employed because it's hard to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't meet. I don't think we met too much after that. No, I think we met in 2000 and I think it was 2010. It was 2010 or 2000, probably 2011 because like all good people in recovery, um, when I got home, I came home to a wife who had become a Jekyll and Hyde blackout drunk after about two tall boys. You didn't know what was going to happen. And I instinctively circled my wagons and tried to protect and work on my family. And I did not go to meetings. So if I got out in February, oh, I got gotcha. you. Then, then yeah, I, I meant to did like one or two meetings for like nine months. And then I left her and uh, quickly after that got back into the program before I relapsed because she was going to have, I was going back to jail. Something was going to happen. It was bad. Yeah. I just remember you had this, uh, I think is that wild bunch. Yeah. Probably so. And I saw your truck and like, you just had this, you know, I'm still that way. focus. I'm, I'm, you still I'm had still, this focus. It's, it's probably a problem for me. <laughs> I doubt it. You know, <laughs> it is, you know, it's, it's the obsessive mind, right? It's the, it's, you know, of an addict that, you know, turns into workaholic. It turns into always more. Um, I was just listening to, uh, oh, who was it? It was, um, oh shoot. It was a small podcast. It was another podcast. I have to remember it and maybe I'll send it over to you, but regardless, it's, we have people who are, are okay. Like, okay. Yeah, whatever. And then you have people who are always more and I'm always in the more category in the vast majority of things in my life. Yeah. Uh, and it creeps in in the weirdest ways and I'm a pain in the butt to deal with. And I know I am. Um, and 
yeah it's just <laughs> it's just who i am but it, you know i guess when it comes to business for the most part it's what keeps you moving forward even when it's super tough yeah <laughs> i had that drive i had to i did some step work around it in another program because like with my ex-wife in north carolina that was a big part of what happened with you yeah. know the ending of that for me i've never met a sponsor who does really good at dealing with me on that they no i had to go elsewhere yeah they always go y'all stop and pray and i'm like you just don't get it do you and i even and and and, and no offense to him or anything else but do you remember Dr. Kevin in the groups, right? Part of Wild Bunch. Um, Maybe. He was my sponsor. Know. And, I, and I, I took him on just for the simple fact of um, he had 20 some odd years of sobriety and he was an emergency room doctor. And I thought this guy will understand how my brain is. And um, it always just came back to pray and stuff. And it doesn't really work that well for me when I'm in these weird places, you know? I don't I know. I think it. I think it does work for you though, because you're self-accepting of it. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I prayer think, does sometimes. I, I think there's, I well, I agree with that completely. At the same time, too, I I I need tools to help me get it out of my head, and I'm not always the best at that. You that's know? kind of stuff I want to provide. Is like, because like quitting drugs, it's pretty easy, you know, really. Yeah, okay. and then yeah. like. Yeah. The other stuff, you know, the the programs for recovery, they kind of fall short with all these other areas of life is what I've found. Yeah, you know, what, what most people I don't think feel like they ever realize or don't aspire to, and I'll use this as an example. I was sort of thinking about this right before we got on. There's a guy here locally who in Facebook, he posted, he's like, oh my gosh, I got, you know, I just realized that like my wife or somebody had to remind me three or four days ago that I got 12 years and I'm like, well, that's the point, isn't it? Really? Ultimately to be back to normal to, to not have to live by a, uh, you know, you, yeah, you're, you have, you are in recovery. That means that you are not, you know, you're not marking the time the same way anymore. At that yeah. point. It's one thing you're, you're set first couple handful of years for sure, man, because you're like, wow, I got five years. I got one year. I got six months, you know, all that kind of stuff matters, but there needs to be a point in time where you're like, Oh, you know, this is, this is normal life. And while recovery is so darn important in the way that we live is important it should not be the be all end all at all times. You know, I got to think about it. I got to go get my chip. I got to get this. I got to get that. It needs just to be that part of the rhythm. So you're not necessarily as much thinking about it, I guess. And I don't know if I can explain that any better and people will probably definitely take exception to it for sure. Wait, I call that lots of different things. Uh, drinking the Kool-Aid's one, mm -hmm. like avoid drinking the Kool-Aid. Like it's great to do the steps and, you know, work a program quote unquote, but you don't have to drink in the dogma or the Kool-Aid. You don't have to be a, the thumper. There are a lot of people, and especially in, well, just everywhere in the country, I'll just say that, that, I mean, they have decades. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, you guys can stay away from me. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, it, I don't want then, anything to do with you. Yeah, but then there's people who have decades who you have no idea that they have decades because they're, they're living a life of recovery that is not based in constant promotion you know that like you have to be at a meeting you have to do this you have to do that i had people in my life that had no clue why i was incarcerated and did not find out till probably at the 10-year mark or so 
because I suddenly run into this person at a meeting and I'm like, you're in recovery? Well, yeah. I had no clue for all these years because they just went to meetings and did their thing and they, you know, they just kept it to themselves and it is what it is. And I, those are the people I appreciate the most because I want to be free of the constant thought of I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, I'm a this, I'm a that, and lose the label over time, even though it is important internally, I don't want to wear it like a, like a cloak, if that makes any sense. No, I do. It's not a badge on your sleeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it there's, feels good. It there's feels something good. about saying how sick you are every day, too over and over and over again. Like, I don't think that's very good. Yeah, I think it keeps you <laughs> like, there. Like I'm this and I suck. I'm this and I suck. I'm this and I suck, you know? Yeah. I think it keeps you there. And, 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 and why be that way? Um, there's uh, all kinds of other ways in, in to, to grow. Right. Uh, you, I know that you've been doing it for years and I, I personally found the initial growth and, and trying to grow a business was my thing. Right. You know, so a business will always expose the vast majority of your weaknesses for sure. Cause probably it's like raising a child. It's extremely tough. And the only way that you grow in a business is you have to grow because your business stops at whatever your level is, you know, it can't grow past you. And so I started getting into a lot of self-help and learning about me and my psyche and other people's psyche. And, and that's just ongoing, you know, um, and then what that did that, that did for me is I got just curious about life in general. And so now I, I would rather constantly learn about something over, you know, watching a sitcom. You know? I like that. What you said, business can't grow beyond yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your business is never going to get greater than you. That's going to be your, that's going to be your quote, bro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and you know and that just tells me and, and we all learn at our own pace as well Scott Jennings. Right? um you can't you can't force what you're not but you can improve upon it and that's the key is learning to prove and then the key after that and this that's where sort of where i am just personally is i'm trying to develop the rest of my staff because i'm sort of it's going to, I'm, my growth is going to be much slower at this point in time. Plateauing. Yeah. I'm plateauing and I will only get but so much further. And so now it's very important that anyone else around me is, is, well, is, is good at whatever they're doing. What's, what's your staff look like right now? Um, well, you know, it's, it's really crazy for us in the way of, I, I got my right hand. Um, he's awesome. He's young. He's been with me for, eight years now, something like that. And um, uh, uh, my, my left hand started to, just with the pandemic and everything going on, life overwhelmed um, and decided to step back, was not willing to go into this next journey. So unfortunately now I'm looking for that new left hand person. Um, but uh, work is tough just because everyone's mindset through this past year has really changed in ways that it's hard for me to even understand. And it's hard for me to understand my own mindset because I've, I've personally faced problems that I don't quite even know if I understand. 
you know, how about, you know, like understanding the, this energy that's going, that seems to be running through the society around me, that is just this negative current at all times, or at least it feels that way. All right. Um, being told talking about politics. Well, yeah, but I think between politics and at the same time too, um, while there, there's plenty of things we can go do as adults to still play, I, I think even just the psychological thought that someone says, Scott, you can't go to the movies. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute, hold on, what? And, uh, and it's playing its role in the adults around me, you know? Um, always being in a mask, you know, is, is while it's starting to become a commonplace at the same time too, it was hard, I think, for people to swallow and to understand because I need to see your face and I need to communicate and I need to shake your hand and I need, need, to, need to touch you and you told me I can't touch you now, you know, and, and uh, that, that actually being near you was dangerous, right, as an individual. And that I think played a big part inside my organization as well. A lot of things just went really weird, you know. Did you guys have to do the the PPE or PPP? Yes, it's the only way we're still in business. We, you know, fitness equipment service company is not considered essential by any means. And yeah. um, plumbers and everybody else rock and rolled, right? All these people came home and started doing repairs, and then they started breaking stuff because they were home. Um, I mean, my gosh, I wish it was a hardware store like Lowe's or Home Depot or anybody else in the nation because they, they just made money hand over fist. Um, and I had, I had like, I had a big plumbing issue at my home. Right. And the plumbers who came said, uh, you know, they were rock and rolling. In fact, they were growing. And I think it's just because more people were at home. Yeah, you know, no, it's a, stuff. it's a big thing. Yeah, breaking so, stuff so. and finally having time to deal with it too. Yeah. So we had to survive off of PPP. And uh, that's okay. That's cool. Thank God that happened. And we're, uh, we're trying to apply right now for a second round because we're completely flat. Yeah. We, that's gotta be scary. Yeah. We've lost somewhere around 30% or more of the business, you know, and well, that's, you know, and we still have about the same size staff, you know, cause we're Is it because the business closed down or because they had to go somewhere else. Well, it's, it's a variety. Some, some gyms didn't reopen. Some didn't open to the same capacity. Um, they're not breaking things or they're delaying repairs. Uh, it's just a variety of reasons um, for each. And it, I guess it just depends on the comfortability. But a lot of people are playing the conservative game, for sure. You know, they're going to delay any repairs, any maintenance, uh, because they don't have the same amount of people. Our industry as a whole, last number I'd heard, which was several months ago, I haven't heard since like, you know, because right now is New Year's, right? So now we are at, um, we're in the rush, you know, oh, I got to get fit. You know, my, my COVID donuts I've been eating the whole time are now, I need to get rid of them because um, the, coming into the busy season, we were down about 30% as a whole, as an industry. And I don't feel like I've seen much of an uptick in my local gym. I mean, it's busier for sure, but it's not like a rush rush, you know? So it's just going to be, I don't think we're going to see normalcy until getting closer to summer. I was hoping that we'd see it sort of mid February as people were getting more comfortable with shots, but it's just taken such a while for the shots to come out that it's going to take a while for our nation's attitude to get comfortable and start feeling safe again and get back to normal. And this could, who knows, maybe this will last, couple of years i don't know 
Yeah, I have worries it won't last. Or, I mean, it will last for more than that, but yeah. I don't try like it's going to just mutate and they'll be like, oh, well, that one didn't work, so we're going to have to do another one now. Everyone <laughs> locked back down. <laughs> but you know what? Um, the, rec- the, the records of the flu this year, right? I mean, how many people you know got None. Sick, sick this year? Even colds, right? Now, we didn't because we didn't see each other. The mask was, again, there was a good side to all this mask stuff besides COVID is that we were not breathing and spinning we were constantly washing so i do hope in some ways that our society adopts what our asian counterparts have done throughout the years and when they are sick or in an environment that we actually start adopting this mask mask version of life just not a mandatory oh my god freak out scared version of it you know yeah no i'm all i'm all for if you want to do it it's fine just don't force other people to do it like if you're scared and you're vulnerable yeah like do what you gotta do to take care of yourself, but you can't force some, you know, twenty something yep. to quit going to work and living on the streets because they can't afford to pay their rent anymore. Yep. But all of us, I think, we've all had to grow mentally through this. And I did been, for sure. Hard. Yeah, I, I've spent. This is. I came into COVID already burned out, um, and this has been probably my hardest year in an extremely long time. Um, no matter what I've faced in work and life in, in, in general, uh, I closed down, I was closing down my install unit out of North Carolina in February. Um, I shut the doors to the warehouse on Valentine's day last year. And I was angry. I was beat up. I was wore out. And I told myself and my staff, um, don't you call me for a month. I don't want to talk to you guys. I, I don't, I, and I just really was done. And, you know, one month later, COVID is shutting down every business. Remember I got two businesses and they both like went to zero and okay. And at first I was like, okay, that's all right. Um, this will last two, three, four weeks, six weeks tops, no more than two months. <laughs> You know, and at first I was like, okay. And I got outside and I enjoyed the outside and walked around and did all the things and, and, and took time to breathe but quickly. And I was starting to try to recover from being burned out. It was essentially like a midlife crisis, you know? Um, and, uh, and then I didn't get the mid, I didn't get full recovery. I had to start really working on me. I had to start working on what was going on. I had to sort of stuff some of the things that I'd been feeling and, um, and that was rough, uh, for a while, you know, we couldn't get to a meeting. Um, I I was watching friends politically put, you know, tear each other apart and it was so disappointed. I I made a comment on something. I can't remember what it was. And in one statement, I lost all respect for a friend because he told me what he thought in, in so many different ways in the matter of like five sentences. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, this is sad. And, and that, I think that was the hard part too, is, is, is we saw a lot of friendships and relationships get hurt this past year because it was so crazy as a whole. Well, it's hard because it's, it's all propaganda. Like I, I made the mistake of fact checking stuff like back when 2015, when, you know, everything started getting crazy because of the election year. Yeah. Well, I started taking the major headlines and just looking at them and then like looking until I found all the data and just realized they're all, it's all garbage. Like it's all manipulation, like every single bit of it. 
And to see these people who have like master's degrees, PhDs, you know, like very intelligent people just soak it up and not realize what they're doing. Like they're poisoning themselves with, you know, insanity. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's real sad. I mean, it's the same thing. There was someone from the area, he said something, you know, white nationalists, you know, blah, 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 you know, referring to anyone that supports Trump. And I'm like, dude, that's a really sad thing to say. Like there's a yeah. lot of good people in the middle of America, you know, and yeah. it was just like, it was like this swarm of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my God. All right. <laughs> we have, we have, um, and not to take this down a political step, but you know, the reality is the people in the middle, I feel like I'm very much a person in the middle. We're looking to the left going, what the hell is your problem? We're looking to the right going, what the hell is your problem? And and then for those who want to stop, step back and think about what's going on, you know, and start paying attention, we realize that it's just because we're being force fed. And then, you know, and then what woke me up a lot of really understanding what was happening was that documentary about social media on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And understanding that the algorithm that I'm being fed very specific stuff, depending on what I just looked at. And they're, they're just constantly making me take a taste. Do you see like this? And so I only can go down basically, you know, one rabbit hole in, in a, in a general kind of thinking process. It's very hard to switch to another and see, I can't get multiple sides on any kind of issue at all. And so I have to be a person who is conscious to go, no matter what I see, no matter what I hear, take it with a grain of salt and not react to it. Um, and that really helped me personally. Is, yeah. And especially in that, what was it called? Uh, the social dilemma or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the very end when the guy said, the best thing you can ever do is turn off all notifications for social media so that you're not being constantly pinged. So that helped dramatically. Um, and then, you know, yeah actually get off social media as much as you possibly can. And I, I've haven't watched the news for years. So I, I, when even coming to the election, I didn't even know what was truth or what's not, you know, I watched Tim pool. He's pretty good. I hope I don't get in trouble saying his name, but he's, he's, he's mostly independent. He, he, he hasn't voted for a long time like me, but he really liked what was going on in the middle East, you know, the peace deals and everything. And yeah. so he was leaning Trump, but, yeah, you know, what people didn't realize, too, is that we got to Trump because everybody else let us down. Yeah. Even even hope and change with the president before let us down. And this guy can't but we had back to back people. We had hope and change and people, you know, that didn't really work, did it? You know, it seems like same old, same old. And then this guy came in with the middle fingers up and, and people like they could really get behind him with that because that's how they feel. And um then unfortunately he just sort of nailed a lot of coffins shut with the way he behaved when people held him saying, you really need to be able to make a very simple, couple simple statements. And he was not able to articulate um, his views on, you know, white nationalist supremacy, no. whatever, you know, and it was just as simple as just saying, um, I do not support white supremacy. <laughs> no, that's one of the, that's one of the ones that was completely lied about. Like Charlottesville, if you listen to the whole video, like he nails them like right in the beginning. When you get, okay. So, and that's the problem too, right? Is we get fed certain stuff 
and like I said, I don't watch the news. I don't watch whatever that when that comes out, right? However it comes out. And so I personally, I'll tell, I say, it took me a while to acknowledge this, but I realized that when COVID had started, I didn't believe it at first. And the I COVID? Believe, yeah, I did not believe the, um, how bad it was going to be, right? How bad it could be. And here's why, because it was Dr. Fauci. Well, when I hear, all I have to hear out of Dr. Fauci is that he has worked with our government closely since the 80s. And all I hear is puppet at that point in time. To stay that long working that close in a political environment means that you, at some point in time, must tow a party line. I don't have trust or respect because we, the climate that we're in, right? And so it took me a while to get on board and understand. And that's, I think, where our country is, unfortunately. You know? Yeah, I think what caught me on COVID, what caught my attention was um, I read an article, I think it was in early January, that China built a six-building hospital or like a four-story hospital in like four days. Mm-hmm. Like It's just massive like construction undertaking. And I'm like, whoa, you don't do that unless it's serious. Yeah, I remember seeing that those articles come out. It, it, was, it was very quick. I think it, it might not have been that fast, but like within a two-week period, they just went, hospital. And, yeah. and it was, it was, you know, rudimentary at best. I'm sure all I had to do is very specific things, which makes it easier, but regardless that they did it, you know, and, and yeah, and that's where I started, I think going, okay, you know, and I got a sister-in-law that, that um, is a teaching midwife over at Duke and she has to do rounds plus um, work at, a, um, at one of their clinics and she started seeing more and more COVID come through and pregnant mothers. And then um, uh, someone I was managing a property for, uh, he uh, works in Johnson County um, and he was seeing a lot of COVID. He was a doctor working in Johnson County and saw a lot of COVID. And it just eventually I said, okay, you know, but again, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So coming back to your, you, you kind of got into some of the struggles that COVID created on your business, but I, we, accidentally glanced over how you started that because it was kind of a good story how you started your fitness tech or fit yeah so all right so yeah so service rx yeah so yeah so, so well it used to be called fit tech and assembly for years yeah. and so okay i got out of prison i i uh suddenly learned about the second sentence and that is i went from you know, I remember I'm a high school dropout. Okay, I told that a high school dropout. I don't have a college degree. I'd always do manual labor. When I went in, I was making about 35 a year. Um, came out and I'm making nine dollars an hour, something like that. And um, and I still had child support <laughs> at 400 a month. I had our rent on our home, which was, you know, 900 or something a month. Well, heck, that's, that's my whole month right there. You know, I mean, all this stuff was going on and, uh, and it just sort of looked out that I fell into the fitness equipment industry and, and I was working on residential. Residential is seasonal. Uh, makes sense, right? When summer comes around, people leave their homes, they go out, they travel, they don't break stuff. Uh, so I started to starve and uh, I had left my wife then was dating my now wife actually. And she said, Hey, st- why don't you just start your own business? And I did. And um, slowly but surely 
uh, you know, built what was then called Fit Tech and Assembly. And I, get, I was, I had a lot of blessings sort of happen um, in ways of uh, my first place when I moved out and moved back over to Chapel Hill was a in-law suite in the in this man's basement that cost me 500 a month 550 when my son moved in he added 50 bucks then when we outgrew that space and needed to move anyhow because it was a one bedroom and, and we needed to move i ended up in this terrible trailer um you know in fact we passed it the other day in my life because that was a dump <laughs> um but it was a single wide three bedroom two bath trailer that was just the next place for me to go and again that was 550 600 a month whatever it was you know and so as i'm trying to figure this thing out i was it was adequate it was not awesome um so yeah uh slowly but surely you know we build these things and, and you learn a lot about persistence and not giving up that's where my obsessiveness comes in and plays a very positive role in my life so when you teach people how to build a business with a thousand dollars you're you're doing it from personal experience you're not just teaching some book you read you're not yeah. like a hyped yeah. up sales coach or something yeah so when we met met you know uh, i was still driving that, that same truck so it was an 86 toyota pickup truck doo-doo brown no ac stick you know riding up and down the highway i started with 86 30 pickup bag of tools 75 bucks in my pocket and a ton of desperation and fear just go do anything you can and i was i was doing anything i could the assembly part of fit tech and assembly was i'd put together your trampoline uh we installed basketball goals uh we i, I installed um backyard you installed my bed that's right i did come over and put together a bed for you yeah yeah, it fell apart like a day later. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's fine. I got your money. <laughs> um, now, and, and it was like, I was just, it, it's all desperation. Just, oh, yeah. But that's okay. That's what it takes, you know, and doing whatever it took. Uh, and I'm glad those things happen. I'm, I'm glad for all the stuff that's happened, you know. Uh, so, if it was easy, I don't think I would be the person that I am. What was that like though? Like, cause I know just personal experience when you're all alone and you're, you know, you got this doom coming at you, you know, this mountain of bills, you got your son to worry about, you got, you know, all these responsibilities and you don't have anything to show for it in your pockets. And it just, it gets heavy. It gets real heavy to carry. Like how, what was your trick? What was your tool to like kind of pick that up and just out of faith, move through that, that darkness that can, you know, sicken the mind. Yeah, um, I think I had a couple really good things happening. So, one, um, I had it. I was developing a really good relationship with my son and enjoyed having him full time in my life. Um, so and so he was a wonderful motivator. All right. Uh, two, my while well, living situation was not the best, um, it was good enough and it was it was shelter um three um i was growing at a pace enough to make it exciting you know uh so first year was maybe thirty two thousand dollars next year i think we got 
either 50 or $80,000, something like that. And then, and then started to double for a while every year. And, um, and then, uh, and then, you know, my now wife. Um, so I, I met someone finally who was a healthy partner in life. And so, uh, and then my recovery was really good. I was constantly going to meetings. Um, I had a routine that was, was healthy. I had someone, again, uh, this woman in my life who's very supportive. My son was supportive of it all. So I, no matter what sort of got thrown at me, I had things to rely on that were positive. And you can't take away that, how important that is at those moments, you know? Yeah. So you had, you, you kind of brought up relationship. That's what I heard a lot is that relationships that you've had were very grounding for you and like a keystone for oh, yeah. your motivation. Yeah. Well, okay. So also too, it was a point in time in life where think about, it. all right. So I'd, I'd been a, a nonstop sort of kind of screw up making, causing nonstop problems all the way up to it being incarcerated. I get home. I get an, you know, come home to this woman who's blackout drunk and everything, everyone, you know, your signals go up and this isn't working. So when I finally had a chance to do it myself, um, so many things were positive. And so that fuel of good, finally healthy relationships in life really made a big difference. Uh, as a whole, you're right. I mean, relationships, are everything. And I was meeting good people and I was learning a lot uh, and I was very engaged in life. And so, okay. So like we talked about in recovery, I was, I was very present in that time period, you know, uh, and I was not revisiting the past a lot. I was repairing a lot of relationships. So I was getting, just I was doing a lot of healthy stuff um, personally. And, and that was great. Uh, I, I sort of long for those days in some ways. Yeah, I do too. The simple, yeah, the growth that like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I can see where you're coming up with your quote now, because it sounds like the more you grew, the more your business grew, or at least there was a, a direct correlation. <clears throat> like maybe even <clears throat> there's this, this thing I throw out there. It's like, uh, when I give, I get, but mm, don't yeah. give, but don't give to get mm -hmm. right. Absolute sense. Yeah, my my bed, my my best nights or days, often are days that I that I work with inmates and entrepreneurs, because it is so selfless. Because I just love to get on on. Because so we're doing everything in Zoom now, so that's even. It was one thing like we used to teach in class, you know, at a at a community center or whatever, and that was unique and, and interesting. But now we've had to learn to do it through Zoom, but I still come out of it sort of wired, you know? Oh, it feels good, I man. Love, yeah, I love to do that. I, I love to engage like that. I have a, I think I have a similar experience doing this. Yeah, I, had, I had my, I had my friend, I got sober with him. He's same situation almost like he lost everything. He didn't go to prison, mm -hmm. but he lost everything in the crash, the recession. Mm -hmm. He built like a construction company out of, nothing during the recession in Michigan, which was like a really hard hit area. And now he's, I mean, he still has it and they're making really good money. They're looking at doing a whole development. Good for you know, they got like 40, 60 acres they're looking to develop. And, but just, it was the same kind of emotional movement 
that you get when you're helping someone just by being here and being part of that. It's really important for people to be involved, I think, with things like that. Because otherwise you get stagnant, life becomes boring. You kind of like you might start taking it out on people close to you, you know, because you're not quite comfortable with yourself. For sure. And that's strange because actually I've gone, you know, through this past year in and out of being in, yeah, where I'm hard to deal with. I can't, you know, you don't want to be around me. I'm not being the best version of me. And more often that's when I'm not able to engage in those things outside of myself that help me for, to forget about myself. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> You're, you hit the nail on the head there. So we went from poo-poo truck, 40 bucks. What did you have? $75? Yeah, $75 in a poo-poo yeah. truck. And now you're, how many years? Let's see. That'd be nine years, I think. And now you say, now you say you got Pennsylvania to Hilton Head to Atlanta. So Pennsylvania, Hilton Head's an island by Savannah, right? Yep. Yep. So it hits Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. So we have, okay. So I, we service North Carolina, South Carolina. The headquarters does, right? And, um, and then I, uh, I have Jared, who is an owner, who is a licensed operator, who's working out of Northern Virginia. He does a lot of install, so he ends up in Pennsylvania because he's close. You know, sometimes touching New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, all that kind of stuff. And so, and then we still will fill in the gaps. You know, we're still growing. So for the last couple of years, we've been trying this licensing kind of version. Can we reteach what we do to Jared, which is another set of unique experiences and mistakes and how do you do this right and because people who build out franchises it's not as simple as you would think it is <laughs> no it's complicated you get a right you literally have to get all of your thoughts and processes down on, into a system that is reteachable so mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah that's where we've been able to grow and um uh jared's doing well he is growing actually a lot through COVID just because he got back into the residential market, which took off like a rocket. I was going to say, have you thought about reinstalling and residential or is it over? It's, it's too hard for us. Um, we tried, uh, we were, when, when we are still very much only about 2% residential and work. And, uh, and we tried, we went back to the manufacturers and, and they already had their people. You know, Jared just got very lucky when COVID hit where he is located was a gaping hole for one for the major manufacturer, which is called Icon. Icon makes uh, Nordic track and pro is the largest provider. Yeah, I tried to find steel plates because I was going to get just like a little squat bar, you know, squat rack and like hex bar. Nope. No plates. Nope. No, and so I started looking all. into it. I started reaching out to foundries. I was like, well, I'll just fucking pour them myself, you know, <laughs> like so, raw or raw or. What you want to do is you want to look for um, the closest used product person around you. And they are getting, a, they're getting stuff faster than the manufacturers are. No, I want to, I was going to start my own company making plates in America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next thing is, you know, can you, can you compete on the steel price? Right. If I put made in America in there, I will. 
yeah, there's there's a couple companies that are made here in America. Um, where they say well, just in America. after COVID, like people, there's a lot of people really upset with yeah. what's going on with China. Yep. Um, I don't know if I'd want to get into any man- me personally, just any manufacturing. I got a couple things. I got one thing actually. There's a um, uh, a um, I got a design somewhere here in my office for um, it's just a cord management box that would be great to use um, at at hotels and uh, in apartment communities. Um, you know how like when you go to the gym and and usually your big box gyms we usually have that trough in front of all the fitness equipment that houses all the mm-hmm. boards. It's just individual boxes that basically do the same stuff that we actually don't have it in our industry. And do you see it? In, you didn't see that one online yet? There's yeah, I mean there's some there's a couple things, but they've never taken off. And um, I think they're actually coming out of different industries is where they're really coming from. Um, no one, at least yet, yeah, and maybe I'm missing something. And if I am, please send me the link. Um, people are tired of, well, not people, dealers and manufacturers are tired of paying the price for the drunk guy at an apartment community or, you know, they're in there fooling around in the fitness center or at a hotel and they destroy the plugging, the plugs, you know, because, because all they are is they're, they're your typical plug-in cord. They're not, they're not attached. So they break all the connections by, you know, chasing the ball around and fooling around and the kids get in there and play and stuff. And so a cord management system helps people from tripping over cords and tearing that stuff up. And plus it looks 10 times better. Um, oh, I know what you're saying. You're, you're talking about electrical mm-hmm. cords. I thought you were talking about all the cord exercises. No, no, no. I thought no, he had a box with, you know, restraint or resistant yeah, no, bands. No, you're talking about and... mirror and, um, and tone and stuff. These new oh, yeah. Wall. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and those things are awesome. I'm, I'm, you know, the residential market really took off uh, for sure. But now I'm talking about like, electrical cord management I, I built this thing and and stuff and actually you know and i got it i got it, um someone to render it in a, into you know uh, a vector file and stuff and so we could pull it apart and look nice. at it was and, that time to get time to do it no i paid some guy up in canada to do it um and you know and then i started realizing what it cost to do prototypes and i stopped <laughs> 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 and, that's where the real investment happens yeah to get one plastic box made i was gonna end up being like a thousand bucks or more you know off of a 3d printer and and everything else and it's just and no matter where i called i couldn't find a price that made sense and i'm not that invested in it <laughs> by any means um and then you know and then what it came down to is even if i did get invested in it you know then we were looking at building molds that were going to be 20,000 bucks or so. And, you know, I just wasn't, didn't think all that would be necessary. That was my own ignorance for sure. You know, what it would take. So you obviously have, you know, earned your stool of respect, I guess, as far as starting with nothing and building something really successful. And that probably leads into how you became so uh, instrumental in inmates to entrepreneurs like you're a board member and a teacher and a mentor. What's that mean? Well, so, um, well, I, okay. So this is interesting when it comes to them. I, um, okay. Brian Hamilton, our founder has been teaching inside the prisons with Reverend Barber, which we've never met. He keeps saying one day we'll meet him. 
I think he might be a figment. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the but, shadow leader. <laughs> 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 he's like the wise guy. he's like the wise monk in the mountain or something not he just you know you're not sure if he's actually there or not um but he would go in and and and, and talk to the incarcerated and brian being an entrepreneur would also often talk about business and other things and so in two in 2008 i was in a seminar of his in in, in hillsborough um and while well, i was incarcerated and we think because he wasn't really keeping records he had just named it inmates and entrepreneurs like actually started to try to build this program and we think i was in a second seminar under that name ever um and i i even got out on pass which you can do in the state of north carolina and i went and made a video for him and, and other stuff as well um i'm not sure how all that really happened or, or why it was me and then I got out, I started my business. Part of how I survived actually was um, I, I worked directly for him for a little while under Inmates to Entrepreneurs. And, um, and then we, we folded for a short bit and then we reopened. Um, Brian went through some personal stuff and, and he just couldn't handle this as well. And once he recovered and, and dealt with that, we started Inmates to Entrepreneurs back again and we've been kicking butt ever since, but we we learned a lot in the first round. We weren't getting, like we we didn't have any real meat in the product. And that's the downfall of, you know, 90% of, of nonprofits, besides no funding, is that they really don't end up with the product. And so we started really talking about it and we developed together a course. Um, everyone that was involved and had input and then and once the idea got sparked he really took things and ran and so and what really helped too is that um he sold his business of 20 some odd years and you know had the financial means to completely retire in his upper 50s or mid 50s whatever he is upper 50s and um at the time and and put money into this. And so that's what we've done. So I, since being around and I'm like yourself, I'm a vocal person. Um, I usually try to give my two cents uh, and try to battle for the greater good. Um, I ended up on the board. I ended up teaching more and more and more and I'm, you know, and I'm appreciative to all the opportunities and experiences that it's afforded uh, because I, who am I, right? Who, I mean, I'm just this dropout kid from North Carolina who got himself incarcerated and it's just been trying to wing it for so long. But I guess, uh, you know, I can communicate at least the material in a way and and have fun with training and we do have a lot of fun i love to teach um and and whatnot and, and then luckily too here recently um one of our other instructors dan uh Kavark, um coach k not duke coach k but our coach k he was a longtime business coach and so he brought in his training experience that he learned and we sat down and and redid the curriculum we took because we had good meat but it was just ordered wrong and stuff we kept noticing this after we 
you know, and so we redid it. We did it right before COVID hit and we started teaching it. And that suddenly realized that we had really good meat to teach. Like it was the proper order. And then we taught all through COVID that pushed us online. Right. And that was great. Cause now we went national yeah, and, and our, our footprint grew exponentially. So all this started in right where I used to live kind of like right where you are. Yep. And now it's a national program. That's awesome, dude. Yep. And it's, it, what a pleasure. I, I mean, so I, the last couple of weeks, Tuesdays, is I've been teaching the Midwest course. So, you know. I've seen that yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Well, might... I, I'll, share, I'll share the post from Inmates to Entrepreneurs all the time for a course. I don't ever say anything to yeah. about it. I just reshare it. So, yeah, we're doing Midwest right now. The Southeast course is about to happen. I think I got to teach Tuesday, actually. Um, I'm not sure if I'm teaching Midwest. I guess I'm teaching Midwest. And I know that Southeast is about to start. We did national it, like at one time. like we, we, we did a national course. And we had people all the way from Hawaii, California, and, and whatnot. And what we How were many people there. were on there? Hmm. That course started with 300 registered and 150 or 200 showed up. Um, and then we graduated, I, mean, I don't remember. I know it was over 50. I think we graduated 90 out of that that's, class. That's still pretty good. That's yeah, really yeah, good, there's actually. There's always an attrition rate. There's all, because it's yeah. free. It is but the percentages rate. are really good. Yeah, we're, we're, we were getting, that's, that's one of our key performance indicators is writing the course and understanding that every time we tweak, do our numbers, our, our retention numbers grow. And we're getting better and better and better. And we're proud of those numbers because it's a free course. That means no one's invested. They're just they're investing their time. And, and that's, that's always hard, right? You know, you don't value usually what's free. Um, well, I'm going to go check it out, I think. Yeah, but is, this, also, is this where you're building from nothing or from a thousand up? Is that where this idea kind of ties in? Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and, um, we have a free online course called Starter U, which is eight hours with a video training on there. Wow. We, oh, here's the coolest thing is we are now, Starter U is now working and in, in, in actively teaching in prisons that have internet, which there are. Um, and we, we just, Global Tellink just picked us up that we were, I can't remember who the first person is. The first set of First platform we were on was 160 prisons. Global Telling, I think, just opened us up to over 500 more prisons. You know that we we have this platform in, and we're we're quickly outpacing um, any other software teaching programs that are coming in. Like ours is becoming the most popular. And you wrote this program, or no? So it's, I would love to take. Um, I would love to take, uh, you know, the, 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 the grand prize for it all, but no, this is all Brian and his staff's doing. And then what they would do is they would develop something they'd bring us in to either do video clips. They tell us they, you know, they'd interview us like this now with very specific questions. And sometimes, you know, we'd make the cut. Sometimes we wouldn't, depending on what our answers were. Um, uh, this is really Brian and his staff's doing over time and then only on the back end here if i think i've grown to the point where i'm really contributing in on that and that's with understanding the teaching aspect of it 
I'm finding that um, I'm a good communicator in that space. You are. And, yeah, and can um, and, and I you enjoy it. And well, I'm you hold actually, authority. Well, well, thank you, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, I I probably didn't have the brain power to come. I didn't have the brain power to create the curriculum, but I have the brain power of understanding how the curriculum can keep getting better because I'm in it and I understand. And, and two, as a group, we, it takes four of us to run class, two instructors, and then uh, two staff members to watch and what's happening in zoom and, and bring in slides and all that kind of stuff. So as a group, we learn a lot and we also learn about reactions and we learn about how people answer us when we ask them very specific questions um, and how, what, what happens on the back end, you know? So, um, I will, again, I can't take um, responsibility, you know, the, the credit for creating it, but I enjoy the fact that I've learned a lot and get to lead the show more so because I also understand the value of being on Zoom. Um, in your teaching, you have to entertain. Takes up the space when you have 75 people in Zoom and you got to switch through screens and, and, teacher curriculum yeah i got the i was wondering oh i was going to talk about myself forget that we're here for you <laughs> i got one of the upper echelon zoom packages i think i can like do groups and stuff yeah and yeah. i think i want to start doing that because i'm doing these mindfulness meetings and they're fun and, yeah fun. yeah i'm just fun. worried that like weird stuff's going to happen no man you'd be you'd be surprised how one just invite only right and and so um it, it, you, you have people sign up and that's going to keep your freaks out and what and one you create the waiting room as well so therefore you can kick people out if something weird happens which you know we've all heard about the stories uh we haven't had any problems yet as far as i know uh our biggest problem will be sometimes and we, we have to teach etiquette so we have a whole sheet on zoom etiquette we send them out packs and stuff and and i am very big about zoom etiquette while teaching because like right that's why i use this background someone can walk in this room right now and you're not going to see them until they come up close to me that'd be uh, creepy and, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you see right now if your cat or your dog starts walking behind you i see them yeah. So we have to teach these things in in Zoom etiquette that please control your environment. We are and we keep people on mute because we can't control kids and all this other stuff, dogs barking and stuff. So it's it's just and we could we could do this in a, a whole other you know Zoom just if you're interested. What I've learned and I could send you over etiquette for sure. Um, but yeah, you you just teach your audience how to be the audience. Yeah. No, I was, I was uh, messing around with backgrounds. I got, you know, I took some photos from Photoshop, Adobe, and I got them on there. But when, for some reason, like it makes this, like, you get like this black halo kind of around you. Yeah, I, I can. And as, I kind of prefer yeah. my painting. <laughs> no, that looks great. It looks great. What I need to do is get off my tail and paint the wall behind me. And see what happens is, well, you can't see. This I can't see anything. Is my, my arm's going to, yeah. So there's, there's the wall. <laughs> over here to my side and then they removed it at some point in time but there was a door jam right here and that door jam is is half painted and half two different colors and then it's still part of the door jam and it just looks terrible 
as a whole. And then I get this exposed ductwork that needs to get painted. And there's a variety of things that, so that's why I do this, you know? Um, when I, Hey, well, you've been on COVID, so I don't know what your excuse has been. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, you, I mean, so I'm, I'm guessing that like all this entrepreneur stuff is inmate to entrepreneur. Is that what led to your white house and Congress? And yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us about that. Cause that's amazing. Right? Yeah. So, um, what was it? So I did not know this. We're at a board meeting and it was, I think it was our, had we met in person? Might've been our last in-person. Well, it wasn't during COVID. So yeah, so it was in, yeah, it wasn't during COVID. All right. So this would, so this would have been in 2019 and, um, and we're at a board meeting and Brian says, well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, you know, but he's like, I've been to the White House and stuff and there's another trip coming up. And I sort of felt bad that he did it because there's other people there. And he just sort of looks at me and goes, hey, you want to go to the White House? Like, what are you doing Thursday? You know, this is a Monday. We usually meet on a Monday. He's like, what are you doing Thursday? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't have any installs or whatever I was doing at the time. And, and um, he goes, let me see what I can do. Well, the way the White House works is everything is you, you don't you you have to move like this, right? There's no scheduling, obviously, for safety reasons, the same way that, you know, so um, it was on yeah, Tuesday, I got an email and I responded with some basic stuff and they just double checked Social Security number and stuff from inmate staff. And then Wednesday, I'm sitting in a parking lot and in the morning with my wife and I uh, a phone call comes up on my phone. It says Washington DC, <laughs> or it, or that, or it said White House. I can't. Remember. It might have said White House. <laughs> it might have said White House actually. And I picked up the phone, and they were like, "Hey, we want to just double check some stuff." Blah 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 blah. And yep. And the next thing you know, then I get an email saying with an official invite uh, later on that night on on Wednesday, no Thursday. Hold on. No Wednesday night I get an invite. That means that I had to be be prepared to leave in the morning just to drive up. Um, and so a variety of things were happening and I didn't know this was happening. Um, and I didn't figure this out in the phone call. Brian was trying to get me on stage that day to be standing behind Trump and to potentially speak in regards to this second chance program that he was working with Kim Kardashian to, um, to talk about. So Kim Kardashian has, has gotten involved and stays involved with a second chance program. Um, I've seen in recent interviews too, that she has been uh, working towards a basic kind of, it's not, it's like some form of a law degree, right? Or, or something like that, right? Um, and it, this actually means something to her, which is cool that, you know, um, we have someone with that kind of name talking about second chance opportunities and trying and understands that our prison system is just so overreaching and just trying to change things. Uh, so she was working with Trump and that's, I'm glad that she was able to use her fame and celebrity to influence him and the relationship that Trump and her now, I guess, soon to be ex-husband or whatever had, I'm happy for all that. But so she was there to announce and work with him to announce this, this thing that was going on. But anyhow, 
So I end up there. It's cool as shit. It's fun. Um, going in is exciting in the way of, I think I went through, I think I went through a total of four checkpoints. Yeah, four. Initial one, you show your license, you walk in to, from the side gate, whatever. Then you go through another one. You can see these like things in front of you that are obviously monitoring something, but they don't, they're not very like they don't have a camera on them or whatever but there's these devices that are set up right you go through that one and you show your license again and then i well, went through i guarantee you what was more like a bomb or chemical sniffing do you remember those um those uh heating units that used to go up the side of the wall in the 70s or 60s and had just a little grate there that would blow out um mm -hmm. you they're really common in california where they okay um you 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 stand on where the little foot marks and you stand there for a second you can feel the air running past you so it's sniffing you whatever that is and then you go through like a typical kind of airport security thing and then you get it and then uh it's pretty cool from there the simple fact of um every bit of security is is um is military in full dress so they look really dapper you know it's super super nice and and you know and know exactly how to treat you um you're walking down hallways you're like man i've seen this in movies and in pictures you know i think that'd be so cool yeah i mean it's just it's surreal i'm standing in front of okay so the 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 extremely popular white house mural of kennedy where he is um standing sort of looking down um it's something on the ground or whatever i'm standing there looking at this painting going oh my gosh i'm here i'm standing looking at george washington's mural martha washington's mural um uh i think uh, in the same uh, hall was um reagan was there and um uh who else was there kennedy reagan yeah a variety of people um Bill Clinton's was in there as well. And so, you know, and they're doing the piano and, and they have uh, the, the uh, a military orchestra playing for you and you're getting ready to go in. And I made sure I got lucky. I was actually standing beside the door when the door opened. I was like, oh, front seat. <laughs> 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 you know, and you go in, man, you just sit down and, you know. Oh, you're not assigned seats or anything? It's just. Assigned seats. You just find a seat. And um, was it was it uh, was it aggressive? No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No. Because no. it's a mix of lobbyists and all kinds of people, you know. Um, this is this isn't their first rodeo. Yeah, exactly. They, you know, you know, there's a handful of us that are there that are giddy that are like, "Oh, this is a cool experience." And then there's others that are used to this. You know, I talked to a couple of lobbyists and whatnot, and yeah, they were like, "Yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> you know, I've done this thing." Um, he's like, "Ah, I'm just making an appearance." And, you know, uh, and so that was cool. And here's the cool thing, too, is you know how all this got done is it was done by the Koch brothers. The Koch brothers are who got me in the door. Would you wow. ever thought that? The Koch brothers come to find out Koch Industries is very involved in learning and trying to understand and wants to do something about recidivism in our prison population. They're not very happy about it, um, which has caught me off guard. So they're a lawyer that we have befriended uh, through this process is the one who got me the invite. Brian That's was awesome. already invited. She just made sure I got in the door and then got my name in the running to be on stage for whatever that was. I'm glad that didn't happen because I think I would have lost my mind. Um, there's, yeah, there's, it's cool when you hear stuff like that because you hear Koch brothers, you get this idea of like meddling 
evil, like, you know, Scrooge type stuff. Yep. But what you just said was like, no, they're actually doing a lot of good in the world, in our country too. Yep. They just have, they, they, they have the money to be able to influence politics. Um, but they are, they have an, a, a sidearm that is involved in um, the prison system and, and they are trying to slow it down and close you know, the loopholes that are causing problems, uh, you know, and that are keeping people incarcerated. And, and that's cool to see. Um, yeah. You know, because they have the money to influence that as well. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I kind of, I've come, this is where I'm real liberal is um, any non-violent drug offense. I think they should just be let go, really, at this point. Yeah, I got a friend um, who, um, he's in recovery too, and uh and he just says, you know, he's like, dude, this is a mental health issue. And if we treat yeah. it like mental health, um, a lot of things would dramatically change. Dude, I, I, I guarantee you if you put the people out of prison in a, a, a program, like if you had a program like what people that are addicted have, mm-hmm. they, they would get way better. Well, the best, and you'll see it too. And, and so our prison system dramatically grew in a couple different ways. Uh, one of them being uh, the war on drugs. You know, and we, we understand that if we actually treat it. That worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> a lot of good, huh? Um, like that solved these problems. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, but if we tra- treated that health crisis, right, completely different, uh, and, you know, some things would change. But at the same time, too, is also the mental health aspect. When we started closing our mental health facilities because they were archaic, right, um, then those people with mental health end up in the prison system because they they offend somebody in some way, shape, or form. They commit a crime. You got to put them somewhere, right? Yep, you got to put them somewhere. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot that can change. And and then we can add on the disgusting practice of privatizing a prison. So, you know, no, I don't. Which I don't is get into that. yeah, which is it completely makes zero sense whatsoever. Um, so regardless of all that, there's a lot of things that can change. So that was cool. So that opened up that. And then the other part was, yeah, ending up in, in New York City um, uh, with the congressman and congresswoman and, and doing, you know, a press conference on prison to proprietorship program. That program, my understanding, was to introduce funding to start teaching entrepreneurship in the federal prison system, which is massive as well. Again, another way to slow down recidivism so that people can come out, start businesses, get jobs or create their own jobs and whatnot. So that's cool. And that was fun as well. Yeah. Um, they flew me up there and, and, you know, put me up in a hotel room, whatever they did. And that was cool. That, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I met the president. Yep, it was all right. You know, I'm on national news. Whatever, whatever. But you know, I was actually I was going through the YouTube videos of the the news. You know, uh, the the news was putting out in clips, and I did see the back of my shiny little head. My bald that's head. the only thing that was on there. <laughs> and it was actually shortly after that is when I saw that is when I shaved my head too. Is it? You know, uh, you gotta have the right head for it, man. Well, I mean, I got my eggs okay, like yours, and my eggs okay. It's you know, it's not it's not all wavy, lumpy, with it weird, you know. But um, again, too many people said, Scott, you still got enough hair. Keep your hair. Yeah. Yeah, but look at this thing, man. It's like, see, oh, see, you can see it. See it coming through right back there. 
Yeah, I, I see it. Oh, All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I tried growing mine out during COVID because I was, you know, crazy and bored. And I don't know. I just – too much. It was too much. Too thin. Like, I'm like, I'm going to have to get, you know, a bunch of money in the bank and get this thing done right if I'm going to grow my hair back out. Hey, you know, Elon Musk has been able to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Look at, look he's at gotten better looking the older he gets and more money he's got. He's got yeah, better yeah. looking. <laughs> then, then you got Jeff Bezos who just shaved it all off and got all, all beef and stuff and, and looks 10 times better than he did when he had hair. Yeah. I, I liked how I looked with hair. I was pretty good. I'm pretty good looking no matter what, but real <laughs> I'm humble. I'm that shirt you wear, by the way. You like it? This is my yeah. interview shirt. Uh-huh. I like it. I want to get another yeah. one. <laughs> Well, you know, just go find a quilt, cut it up. It's not that. Why you gotta be like that, man? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, so inmates entrepreneurs has opened up a lot of interesting things to happen. You know, and and Brian prior to his his company was called SageWorks, and and he did a lot of interview stuff with CNBC and Forbes and. He writes articles all the time. I mean, we've, we've, you know, I'll get emails that Brian wrote an article for this or that. And, and, and I've been able to write an article in, in concert with them that was, I think they published it in USA Today or something. It was, it was around PPP stuff. Um, I can't remember what we wrote it on. Oh, this, the SBA at first was turning people down because the SBA actually doesn't loan to felons. Um, and they don't really outright say that. It's just a practice. And, um, but then they changed it, thank God, uh, through the pandemic, uh, that's, I'm sure that's temporary. Um, you know, so yeah, it affords opportunities and to meet people and whatnot. We had, uh, so one of our keynote speakers was, um, uh, Rob Blagojevich, Blagojevich from, um, uh, Chicago. Remember when the mayor of Chicago got in trouble for, um, selling off the Senate seat that used to belong to Barack Obama? No, yeah, but the actual chair. Yeah, we're trying to supposedly selling it off. I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't remember. I was not paying attention to news. I just do remember him. And so when he got out, he he recently got out here, and um, he went to prison for that. Yeah, he went to prison. He did eight years, and he did. He said he, he they they <laughs> sent him to hard time. He did not. Get, he said, look, they did not give me the 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 cupcake form by any means. Um, what are you in here for? I tried to sell a chair. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's mayor or governor. I'm pretty sure he's mayor. No, 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 he's governor. I can't many anyhow. It's probably mayor. Yep, you have to look him up. No, it's probably but, governor. Supposedly, um, this upcoming class that's about to graduate, we're going to have um, congressman or representative. Um, what's his name? Scott Weiner, <clears throat> the guy who got in trouble here in the last couple of years too. I don't know." Yeah, uh, we're, we're starting to gain influence, and that's cool. So we've had a variety of people. Start Honestly, the only thing I've heard the last four years is Trump, 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 yeah, Trump, yeah. Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of glad he's not in office anymore because it's just like, oh, I hear about yeah. different stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and now we'll just have something else to bitch about. It's going to sure. be the same thing. Yep. Yeah, same. I thing. think, if anything, like his presidency has shown a larger portion of America of what's really going on behind the scenes. Probably so. Probably so. And you don't know who what to believe and what not to believe. So yeah, that's scary. Yep. But um, you know, yeah, a lot of possibilities in that group, and I look forward to the next couple of years as we learn to teach 
and reach out nationwide. And we have, we have more organizations calling and asking us to do things um, and help them out and to be a part of it. So I'll get phone calls and I'm sure other um, teachers do as well when they're like, hey, can you teach at 11 o'clock on, you know, in the, in the morning on such and such date? And then can you come back and do the same group as a follow-up on like in four weeks or something? I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So th this program, does it also reach into, you know, giving people the proper mindset and tools to overcome fear? Yeah. Well, I try, we, we have to weave it in. I used to spend a lot of time, very first class talking about growth and the importance of developing that mindset. And unfortunately, we've cut a lot of that out and you have to weave it in in your conversations and, and whatnot. Um, really, I mean, you could, you could take our course and our course is essentially seven weeks of training and, and the eighth week is graduation, right? I keep lobbying for one more, one more training. Let's, let's add another one. And I keep getting shot down because we're, we're there's just so much in, in basic business one-on-one that you can talk about. And we're as, just, our, as our class size grows, it, the conversations are longer. Well, it seems necessary though. Like conquering fear is the biggest thing, probably sabotaging people's chances. Yeah. So what's the point of having all this, you know, data and material understanding, logical understanding of how to do things and put it together if you're too afraid you know, to, to execute. Yeah. And so one of the things what we do is we talk about a lot with, with instructors and stuff um, that the key to success is to not talk about the good constantly talk about your failures and laugh at them and what you learned from them and be extremely vulnerable during class um, that we're just average people doing average things you know, and some was luck and some was, we learned. And, you know, it's, again, I, I'm teaching with, I mean, some of our instructors, you know, are independently wealthy and, you know, they did their time, you know, some of them, some of them, now that they're independently wealthy, they're now coming back and doing startups. So they're at that same boat. All right. Uh, one of our instructors has uh, got a, a medical startup going on right now that, you know, he started with zero dollars. He's independently wealthy, but he talked somebody into letting him, paying him to write the, the software that they want to start the business. You know, and that's what we try to teach. You can start from zero. Hmm. You know, there's so many things that are teachable if you understand how to look at it. And so, and that's where we start removing fear is, is a lot of that. So like, you know, most people think of, oh, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to buy a house, but I got to do A, B, and C. Well, no, actually you can wholesale. So I can make, I can sell homes and make $5,000, $10,000 just being, as I always equate everything to being a drug dealer, right? I go find this person as the product. I sign a contract with them. I, that contract is for, you know, 30 to 60 to 90 days, whatever it is. I then find the buyer and I raise the price to the buyer and I make sure that that buyer is a flipper or whatever they're going to do with it. Right. You know, and they can make money at it. And then I'm still making money in the middle. Most people don't realize that, that, that real estate doesn't have to have a mortgage. It's just a deed transfer. Yeah. Or you can do something called subject to, you know, um, didn't realize that Airbnb is what I've learned over time. I mean, I bought a course 
And, and then I got in for, I think we spent about 5,000 bucks total between the course and our first unit, but, um, or something like that. But I now know that if I lost it all tomorrow, I can come in and start another Airbnb company for $0 because I can come in as a host and I can manage things and, and make 20% of profit, you know, off of people. Um, I can, you know, if I'm going to start a lawn care company, we talk about this all the time. Uh, you know, you, you can, can you borrow a lawnmower, a rake and, a, and maybe a blower or a weed eater or something like that? All right, great. Can you, you got a car, you got a way that you can, you can trunk, you can put it into something. How can you borrow something, you know, and get 20 bucks in gas and turn that, that 20 bucks and borrowed stuff into 200 bucks that day? You know, uh, same with painting, right? All you got to do is have a brush and the paint. And if someone buys the stuff and you do the labor, they just paid you for the labor, but that's enough for you to turn around the next day and do a little bit more, right? And buy a tool. So all these kind of ways to be successful for coming from nothing. It does not take $10,000 in the special sauce, you know? Uh, it takes some special sauce. It takes special sauce, man. Courage, okay. fortitude. Yeah. Yeah. That's the special sauce. But sometimes that special sauce is you just happen to fall into it. That's what happened in North Carolina yeah. when I was there. Yeah, and that's all that matters, right? Because I think you, well, you were doing roofing, right? So yeah, insurance, there. restoration. Yeah. yeah, and it just knowing what to do. So a lot of times businesses can start solely off of just the knowledge that you have. And not, it doesn't take a dollar amount. It takes knowledge and, and someone in creating the confidence for someone to pay you for that knowledge. Yeah, I was the knowledge and uh, my ex-wife was like the, the inertia breaker. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> she was she was hardcore, man. She went to uh, she went from nothing education wise, no college to master's degree. Which included a full ride at UNC. For in five years. Oh, good for her. She was be she was beefy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, you know, and it, yeah, it, we're, all of us have those potentials, you know. Um, but you did say it does take courage, it does take fortitude. We do talk about pers persistence and stuff. I don't have week one, but week in front of me, I think I tossed it. Um, but we we do talk about the traits of an entrepreneur, and we talk about the positive stuff. We, what we do is we have them do a pros and a con list. The positive things, what do they already have that they know they have? But then one of the cons in all this list of different characteristics, what are they missing? And what are, those are the things that they know that they're going to have to work on. And we talk about those things ourselves, right? I, I'm not a good financial person. I, I'm still weak. Ugh, in that. I hate yeah. it. You know, <laughs> I, 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 you know I'm, uh, that's probably my, 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 that's my kryptonite, right? Is the finance. And I'm, that's what I'm more focused on this past year is learning about finance. Finance um, and, and paperwork. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and I have, you know, I, I don't write checks for service RX. I don't write any checks, you know, at all. Um, you don't want to, I start to twitch, you know, cause when the money's going out the door, the bookkeeper does that kind of stuff, but I do it for sojourn. And, um, because we don't have a ton of checks to write, but you know, I pay rent and all those other things that we got to do and, you know, um, pay out the, the people that we manage for and things like that. Uh, but, you know, how to make money work for you is, is a skill set. And um, I'm weak in it. You know, um, I know how to. I don't, I don't think that's true, Scott. Well, you know, you'd be surprised. There's some things I could have done much better for sure. Yeah, but I think <laughs> you know? you're painting. I mean, you got to look at what you have right now. You can't be bad with money and do that. 
No, no. I mean, well, well, I think I could have made better decisions that would have me in a better space for sure. But what I have that overshadowed a lot of that was the ability to work really hard and to be creative in that creation of stuff. But again, the, the management, we've made some, some interesting mistakes along the way. Um, but also too, I fully admit that in the fitness equipment service world, um, we are underpaid dramatically in our industry compared to well, so competitive, I'm sure. Well, yeah. Well, and the, for us, see the manufacturers, I've been in this industry now since 2011 and uh, no 2010, I started in 20 in 2010 and I've never seen the manufacturers raise pay at all. So if the manufacturers don't raise, it's hard to, to that to trickle down. Right. Um, and so you do, you know, you know, do a fair amount of warranty work. So Life Fitness, your largest fitness equipment company in the U.S. and one of the largest in the world, uh, is the worst at paying at $45 an hour. Um, we know plumbers that probably make $45 an hour. <laughs> I've never know? made that um, working for someone else. Well, you try, the trades, there's a lot of people in trades that can make close to that an hour. If you're a union, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but then the high, but see the high end for us is 75 an hour where, not bad. you know, well, how, how many guys you got to split that up amongst though? Is that no, two? I mean, it's, it's one guy. It's usually one guy in the field. Um, but, and we so don't his wage overhead and then what you get. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Okay. So it's one guy in the field, but then you got office staff, you know, yeah, overhead. and, and so there's three in the office right now, you know? Um, but we don't do a lot for life fitness. They don't like us. We don't really like them. <laughs> you know, um, they don't like the fact that we're smart enough to understand that, you know, we're not going to play your game. You know, we, we, we'll find, we work with people who there's also big in our industry and I'm sure there's with other industries as well, master slave mentality. And we don't play slave very well. Yeah. I always get frustrated with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not a slave, and I'm I'm a I'm a partner and a resource, and um, you work with me, and I'll work with you, and uh, that's how life is meant to be. And if you want to constantly, you want to put poke a finger and point and tell, you can go somewhere else. Um, what else? I don't know. You tell me. Um, I'm lo I'm looking at this is this is all from your prompting here. This awesome profile you gave me i got this and i was like who's running who's running the interview here is it me or is it scott well, you know, <laughs> it's good though i like it well strangely enough i and i, I didn't have time to participate I, I suddenly got busy but i signed up for this group on facebook that taught you about becoming a professional podcast guest and making money with it and I didn't, I got set to like one or two webinar things. And then I got so busy, but that's one of the things they talked about. The best thing you do is, is give people subject matter to work with, hmm. you know, um, because that's called being a good guest. So that's what I did. And I, and nice. I built that and, you know, it is what it is. And I mean, it's gone on for almost two hours now, so you must have done a good job. Yeah, well, you know. Time flies, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it all turns out at the end, right? Um, no way. I don't edit either. I just throw it all on there. Yep. There you go. I start. I tried to uh, when right before COVID hit, or maybe when COVID hit, I was gonna, I was gonna start a podcast called World Domination, because I was always hashtagging World Domination, and it was based on the fact of you know, doing the things that help you dominate your world. 
Um, and I realized that at the time, uh, my laptop, unfortunately, did not want to handle the editing down of a Zoom file. Because <laughs> I bought my laptop for work. It's not designed to handle the, 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 even though it's a solid state drive and it's, but it's a couple of years old or whatever, it could not handle a, a video file that was an hour longer, longer. Hmm. You know, it just, it got angry with me. Um, and so, yeah, I, get, I just said, nah. Plus, I'm running, to, I'm basically running two businesses in a lot of ways, you know, and uh, time to get a new one, probably. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's doing the job. So uh, it's COVID times. I'm not spending anything more than I have to. Lenovo has a lot of 60% off type oh. deals right now. I was up, I really wanted to buy some tablets yesterday, but I was like, okay, I can spend that money on a tablet or I can spend it on marketing. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, I'm not a tablet person. I think tablets. I love them. I think tablets are about to disappear with the invention of the folding phone that we have. Oh, did you see that? Yep. The so there's, Nokia there's, one. Yep. So, um, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna keep because they keep trying versions of that. Um, I think what's gonna happen is this because tablets aren't super popular. That you're just a very small niche, so you're part of the small niche that uses them. But they are very popular for the work environment. So I think the tablets are really gonna get regulated to the work environment and school now, and and probably schools and stuff. And then that 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 flip open kind of phone is gonna be the the is meant to replace the tablet space in the residential market. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the the hand link. You know, oh like yeah, in, under in in my skin. So, mm -hmm. well, they did something where um they actually created like this like this watch band kind of thing that had these cameras that would project across the arm. Um, it was a couple of years ago, and it was just a I guess maybe just a thought process, but they developed this thing where, yeah, the watch would be the phone kind of thing, and it would it would project a screen across your skin. And but still had um, the same kind of motion sensors that are like in a Wii or something like that, um, where it could watch your movements. I don't know. You know, a lot of interesting things are about to happen over the next 10 years because. Oh, my God. Yeah. Neuralink. Yeah. Yes. Um, and We're going to Mars. Neuralink. It's, it's going to help us get there. Yeah. I'm That'd a little upset, though, is that uh, I'm, a, I'm a Samsung Note person and uh they spending that big money huh yeah the well you know uh, i don't have to use my laptop as much nowadays you know i can do a lot of things from a phone and um and to me too I, i'm a note person because the note really got built towards business mindset and the way it operates um and i think the vast majority of people just have a ex very expensive entertainment device which mine is a wonderful entertainment device and, you know, as I'm laying in bed and watching Netflix or whatever. Um, but it is very much, um, a tool. Yeah. yeah. Samsung's the only phone I'll buy. Yep. Even if it's one of their cheap ones. Yep. Yeah. Like I, if they're, I would just rather have it. I, I would, I would tell you though, too, that, um, the note 20 is not living up to what I sort of expected it to be. Is that the $1,200 one? Uh, yeah, something like that. You know. Yeah. It's a little, but it's got a little, it's a little buggy. And How much you pay for your computer? A lot less than my phone. <laughs> they had, they had like $700 computers that will totally handle 
Yeah. So, Mon, so I, I've learned one thing. I mean, mine's probably mine's two, maybe three years old now, and it was probably six hundred bucks. And always with computers, you spend six hundred, and by the time you get the warranty and the this and that, you you spend a thousand. You know, and they just get better. Oh, you get warranties. I don't get warranties. Yeah. Well, I do because yeah, if it dies tomorrow, I just want to go get me something. You know. Um. Yeah, I always get the warranty because I've had stuff start dying off on me. I've had issues in the past. If you want, you can email me that shit through the cloud. I'll do it. I got video editing. I got audio editing. I got all kinds of stuff. Well, again, it's it, now. It's I'll do it as a favor. But I appreciate it. It's now down to time for me. You know, um, and the real, and I have a goal too. I have some real goals. Um, I'm trying to dramatically work towards a laptop lifestyle. Um, even though I keep doing things that are adverse to the laptop lifestyle. Like but what? I, do, I do. Well, okay. So if we take on um, this 2,300 acres here in Southern Virginia, it's going to put me on around that property a lot for the next couple of years as it develops out because it's so big that one, you got to make sure that these homes come up to par and they are continuously rentable and things like that. But two, we were essentially, we're taking this active farm and, and, and land and stuff and we will be developing it into the same premise as a national forest would be or national park, right? With trails and camping and all these little vignettes of space, you know, there's others. I mean, so in creating, we've talked about putting a meeting house on top of one of the Hills. So this property is in a town that's right at the base of the Blue Ridge mountains. So you're in the foothills. And so you have these Hills and rolling farmland and, and whatnot, and you're looking at the mountain range. Okay. And, um, and so again, we could put these meeting houses and, and other kind of stuff on top of one of the Hills. So you can oversee the valleys and, and all this other kind of stuff. Um, and that's just going to take a while if it takes off, we're waiting to hear back if our proposal was accepted. Um, I know that it was us and a couple, two, three other people. What's land like down there? Uh, cost wise. Mm -hmm. Um, that just really depends. You know, it, it, the vast majority of places, uh, of any kind of urban, you're still, you know, you're talking 15, 20,000 an acre and up probably more. Um, but you can get really rural and you can, you can still get cheap, you know, five and 10, uh, thousand for rural, rural. Uh, but if you're in, you know, if you're like in Charlotte or in Raleigh or something, you know, I mean, you can have a plot of land that goes for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if maybe, maybe certain areas, like part of Charlotte um, in the, what they call uptown is the, a, a section of uptown was the bus, busiest sub market in the U S at one time. So that's really there, pretty. Yeah. Th that land right there could, you know, I don't know. Did it go for a million an acre? I have no idea. <laughs> it's not my, not quite my thing. Well, I know here you can get like a, like a cabin, two-story cabin with maybe a, another house on it mm -hmm. uh, and maybe 90 acres and that's like 140. Oh wow that's super cheap. Yeah it's super cheap. Mm -hmm. Yeah you know and so uh, it, my mom my mom passed away this this year and, and I got a, a little bit of money from that and now I, I want to start investing but you know as far as I want to start buying property the hard part is being self-employed and they actually just made the rules even harder. I, I, I waited just because I don't like people 
having to prove where money came from. So I waited the three, two month period, whatever it is. And so I actually called a, a lender the other day and she's like, Oh, well you have to have three months of liquid money in your business. I was like, three months, it's COVID lady, <laughs> you know, I'm going payroll to payroll and uh, I'm, I need a PPP loan right now as it is, you know? And I was like, Ugh. so I think I'm actually, we talked about this before me and my wife and I, I might actually try to relook at flipping trailers. Um, affordable housing is, you know, getting to be non-existent in a lot of places. And um, so you can go into trailer parks and buy either, sometimes trailer parks will give you trailers as long as you're leaving them there and you're gonna, you're gonna renovate them. Um, but let's just say you get a trailer for 5,000, you put five, 6,000 in it and you do a, a rent to own. So you give someone a really good deal on price or whatever, you know, and you can still take that trailer to 15 to $20,000. It's the fastest return. It's just same thing as a house. It's just not the same dollar amount, but I'm considering doing Well, they that. depreciate, don't they? Yeah, but see, but they, they, they always stay rental. I mean, if you look at it as, oh, it needs to be a foundation and, and whatnot, it's not the same. You, you can't look at it as a house. You look at it as what it is, and that's a, it's a structure that they can, they can own. And then all they got to do is pay like a lot rent, which whatever that is, and they have a place that they can call theirs. Yeah, we used to. I used to renovate RVs. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier and cheaper than you think. That was been another thing that we've talked about too. Is you know, putting an RV because you can buy an RV for next to you know cheap, right? I can pay cash yeah. for an RV, and then I can get lot rent somewhere. And then you already got RVs at the beach and stuff that will already own a lot that already have the decks and everything built on them, or up in the mountains, and they already do all that stuff. And you know, we could afford to pay cash and. But I, I'm a little hesitant because if I would rather do a rent to own where I don't have to play landlord anymore, you just got to pay me, you know, as long as you make your payments, we're good because I can't be there to fix everything. Um, I'm handy enough that I can fix a lot of stuff, but if I buy something that's three hours away and I'm, and I renovate it, I can't get there to, I don't want to, that's not my job anymore. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I'm trying to get to, too, is doing things that I don't have to be the person who solves a lot of problems anymore. I get to use my brain from wherever my brain happens to be residing at the moment. Uh, we were supposed to go to Panama um, in this, the country, Panama, February and March this past year. And because of COVID, we didn't go. And because we were going to try to take our short-term rental business and go down there and look at, is this a place where we would like to set up shop? Um, we had chosen Panama because I went down a rabbit hole one day on YouTube and realized that Panama consistently ends up in the top five places in the world to retire. And it's tropical. And there's a lot of good positive things about it. Um, and they're developing as well. So uh, again, a lot of possibilities of my future. And I keep doing things that maybe are adverse to it. <laughs> I think I'm you'll not. get there. Yeah, you seem I, be... I think so too, you know. Um, you seem to be one of those guys that whatever idea you get. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got a creative wife as well too. Um, and so we, we try to think outside of the box and figure out how to get something done. It's, it's rare that we say you can't do it. It just might be a not right now do it. 
Yeah, like you still have to learn how to prioritize. Yep. Ultimately, I mean, so I'm working with a business coach too. I hired a business coach um, here in the last handful of months uh, because we're facing problems that we didn't understand how to deal with, you know, um, and to become a better business at ServiceRx. And um, one of the things I put on my, my whiteboard though of my goals is to work two months and be off a whole month and work two months and be off a whole month. Um, and so that's really what I'm trying to get people over at ServiceRx trained to do to where I can completely not be around and nobody feels like they have to call me. So um, we're putting videos into training. We're doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, we, we, um, we're just focusing on getting all of our thoughts into training software. You know, so if anybody has a question, you just go, did you go check that? <laughs> you know, so that's pretty cool. Sounds like you guys are really on the edge of, you know, the next big step. Like you're getting scalable. Like you're going to start doing so. leveled, leveled managing. Yeah, that's what I, I see. So. Leveled managerial. I'm taking my MBA right now, and so like, yeah, why well, I'm in it right now. Okay, so yeah, Gwen did hers. Um, she she got an MBA up at uh, she did it online. There you go, Liberty University. Um, I'm proud of her for doing that. Um, um, she still values paid education. I I don't know if I do, I don't really. You know, it's pretty good. Well, it's yeah, not I, the it's not the information you get. It's the dedication, the discipline. Like yeah. you have to do a lot of stuff you don't want to do in school. Yeah, and, and, and that's, by teaching yourself how to do that, that's really good. That's where I value education. Um, I don't value the fact that our college system wants to do two years of general studies. Your very first year, well, I just did twelve. Why are we doing this again? You know, so let's get down to brass tacks and let's improve our, our K through 12 system so that our colleges don't feel like that they need to retest us to see that we actually earned our way into the college, you know, um, because my, me learning math or English again should not cost me 20 to $40,000, $50,000 a year. I just think that's asinine. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like my third or fourth math class in college before they finally got past where I was at in high school. Yeah. And see, yeah those I, numbers are huge. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I think we got all that backwards and being an entrepreneur in spirit, um, I'm always thinking, well, there's a better way, you know, what's, that's my problem, right? I, wouldn't, I didn't make a good employee because I always had this mindset that there's a better way, even though I didn't have the knowledge to articulate what that was. It's one of the things I'm constantly trying to do at work is I tell people all the time, I'm asking you a question. You've presented the problem, so what's the solution? Well, I don't know. But then stop telling me the problem because I know that's the problem. I haven't figured it out yet. Do you have a solution yet? No? Okay, well, then stop telling me the damn problem. You know, um, yeah, I want my people at work to get better, though, until it's, it's just I'm constantly asking them, you know, if there is a problem, and I also hold them accountable. If they don't tell me, yes, there is a problem, well, then I can't fix it. You know? Um, so it's a variety of things happening right now. Anyhow. Well, I think that felt like it was a good place to wrap her up. Well, cool, man. This is fun. Are you going to go watch Super Bowl? No I, no, I just found out it was playing today. I had a guy come look at an office I'm renting out. He's like, you watching the Super Bowl? And I was like, what? Is that today? 
He's like, yeah, Brady made it. I'm like, shut up. Brady did not take Tampa there. He's like, yup. I'm like, no. And and that's why I'm watching because that to me is inspiring, right? Dude, that guy is a beast. I don't watch football all year. Uh, If I do, it's just because I don't don't have regular TV at my house. And, um, but to know that you go from, you know, six out of 10 times you win the Super Bowl, um, you leave your team, you're the oldest player in in the league, I think still the oldest. Um, your your old teammate who retired comes out of retirement to join you in uh, in Florida. You take a team that was not prepared to get to the Super Bowl, and that's the power of one belief that you can. So he inspired them that they can, and two leadership in your very first year you didn't there's no building it was we did and even if he loses tonight you know it doesn't matter it's that they got there you know and i really understood the power of a belief and and leadership and possibility when i watched him in the super bowl where he was down what was it 28 points a couple of years ago oh against atlanta yeah he, he, and, he, <laughs> and he comes out of halftime and and wins the game it was so funny to watch the atlanta's face like the atlanta the atlanta hawks his he was there with his wife and they showed him like grabbing Mm -hmm. her hand and like the more it went on the more her hand turned like bright white because he was squeezing it so hard yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna take my happy butt upstairs and and i bought a recently bought a um a powered HD antenna just to try it because of that 2,300 acres in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, while we will not have many TVs on the property, what are options? So I, I bought a powered antenna just to try and I have it to plug it up and I think I'll be able to watch the game. Um, anyhow, that's what I'm doing. Cool. Well, do you have any? Oh, I know what it is. I forgot. Wisdom bombs. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you, if you, okay, hang on. If you knew you were dying tomorrow, what's the one thing you would tell your son or your wife or the next generation? The one thing, what, what would you tell him? What would you pass on? Um, it all starts with your attitude. It's your the belief that you have of what you can do in one year, you're usually overshooting, but you always undershoot what you can do in 10 years. And, and so that's where most people fail because in that first year is motivation is usually the factor and persistence is the 10 year and understanding that you can do anything. You, you can't do anything you want. I'm sorry. There's been 45 presidents. 46, whatever we're at now, right? You know what I mean? But the things that you can accomplish in that time period is phenomenal. You may, you, maybe you're not going to walk on the moon, but what can you do? It's just all in your attitude. You know, stop telling me how you can't tell me how you can. Yeah. I've, I've been reading this book called Millionaire Mindset. Mm-hmm. And they, they talk about attitude, the mindset, obviously, but the associations we have with things like money or things like goal setting. Like goal setting is for geeks and nerds and you know whatever that you just you you collect ideas about things that are false and then when it comes time for you to do them 
you sabotage yourself because you're not looking yeah. at your programming. Yes. I think that's um, really accurate. Yeah, in, in my in my years growing up, I definitely had a mind. I, I'm still working through that subconsciously, trying to figure out how to shed the the things that are sabotaging me in my life. Um, because what my tools that I had as a young man are not the same tools I need today. And so again, that goes back to my original statement. You're only as good as who you are become, how far you can take your knowledge. Um, I'm, I'm 47 now, and I am trying to still keep learning, but I'm slowing, I feel like in some ways I'm slowing down. So I'm gaining some wisdom, but what's next? And so that's my ultimate goal. I want to leave service RX because I feel like I've sort of done what I can there. And I need those new challenges, you know, to help me keep growing. Um, I'd like to talk about that stuff with you for mindful mail and for mindful recoveries, because like we, like we mentioned before, people get clean and sober and all that kind of stuff. And then that's it, you know, and I, I, I want people to go more. I want people to be more if they want it. And so the, the website is like, here's the more available. Like we, we put it right here. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still realizing that coming in on 14 years of sobriety, it'd be 14 years in April. And um, that I'm still peeling that onion away. I'm still remembering things that I did that I could do better. Um, I have a very strong ego that protects me from my own stupidity <laughs> and, the, and the bad mistakes that I've made and, and, and I've forgotten a lot. Um, I have some interesting things that, I mean, I don't want to talk about here, but some things from my past that have recently come to light and, and they're, they're wonderful and, but they're challenging all at the same time. Um, and, uh, I met with somebody from my past and started talking about these things and realizing the things that I'd forgotten by talking to them. It's like when my best friend passed away and, uh, and I get hanging around all, all the guys that we used to hang out with and party with and all the things that I'd forgotten, you know, um, my ego is good at protecting me of my stupidity. <laughs> and so again, it's learning to become a better person uh, because my, my brain will block things when it sees something that's uncomfortable, if that makes sense. If all that sort of comes back to that thought process, it, it still plays a part in my very, my day to day. And I'm, I'm aware of that. I see a problem and, and it's uncomfortable and my brain for some, whatever reason is uncomfortable in wanting to process it. Like you get like, yeah, so it just stops it. It yeah. shuts it down. Yeah. And and it won't it won't address it. Even though I know that it's there, it won't address it. And then it forgets about it and I move on to the next thing. And that's and so mindfulness. It, yeah. That's that's there's a way to get into it. Yeah. And it, it really if I wanted to address things, I'd be smart enough to sit down and meditate on it. I, or or do whatever, you know. You know, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. You just have to sit in the quiet. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, just get real with it. So yeah. there's Here's my wisdom bomb is when you, people say when you meditate, you focus on your breathing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's another place to focus, which is right here mm -hmm. yep. between your eyes. Yep. If you practice doing that, when that stuff comes up and you, you just, it comes up and you just keep coming back here 
it goes like this. Like all that stuff that's stuck starts expanding out and it moves out. It's way more efficient than the breathing. The breathing is more like, I don't know, like putting an ice pad on a, a hurt knee or something, right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. this like actually heals the fucking knee. Interesting. You know, and now I'm also the kind of person to uh, suffer from the negative voice that wants to co- try to come. Oh, the critic. And, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 you know, if we get back to recovery, you know, uh, the, I, I often will fall into the director and I'm trying to direct the world and I'm not getting anywhere. From the critical point of view or what? Yeah. 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 I'm, I can get super critical. I can get very righteous in a heartbeat and in my, at least in my own head, if I'm not showing it to you, I am in my own head. And, and I, I fully admit today that I can be, I can be so right. I'm right until you prove me wrong. I try to be aware enough that you have the opportunity to prove me wrong. But unfortunately my, my rightness backs people down. When well, you're, you're very, them, you have that authority about you. Yeah. And when I, when I don't, when I'm asking you to tell me and explain to me where it's wrong, unfortunately i don't sometimes get what i probably have asked for that or they were just full of shit and i actually was right or you, or you scared them you probably scared them with your yeah. intensity yeah, i don't mean to you know by any means i'm, I'm learning a lot about being an, a, an older adult male that you know that's trying not to be full of bluff and blunder and everything else piss and vinegar anymore it's hard work huh it is man changing is hard it's know? uncomfortable yeah, it is. You know, I mean, with the, what I was just sort of mentioning, this this past that's come up, this per, this other person that I'm talking with is in recovery too, and this individual shot me a text message and said, "Well, that sounds like some real third shit, third step shit, doesn't it?" And it was just a kick right in the crotch because this person was exactly right that I was not turning anything over, that I was trying to just completely want to control and and everything else, and it was just like, God dang, asshole. <laughs> yeah i always get conflicted on that because third step and from especially if you, i don't know if i should be a dick or not but in the program third step is just the lineup for the fourth step that's all that is you know well but it also means just sit down shut up and let the process be the process all right so that's where i get confused though because like there's things in life that unless i took that initiative you know they wouldn't have happened well, and they were definitely okay. like at the end they were a gift to my life you know what i mean well yeah okay so it said so the way third step got broken down to me was from a sponsor who he was batshit crazy in the first place but he said you know it's just you know you do the action and god gets the result period All right so uh, when we were talking about the very beginning where you mentioned that prayer has a purpose and whatnot you know i'm the kind of person that i will go and i know i need to stop and just sit and pray about something and just try to listen to the universe because the universe has its own weird, unique voice and it has the ability to bring us to calm. And I'm not going to talk about religion or anything else because I can't wrap my mind around the, the finite mind cannot wrap around the infinite. And that's this universe. I mean, my God, trillions of galaxies or whatever the hell they say, how the hell do you even know this? And where did it even come from? But regardless, something about when I stop and I talk to it, it affects something. That my brain, I will literally go, I need to stop and talk, and, and I need to try to pray about this, and my brain will shut off. Like it won't, I can't articulate what I want 
what in, that's what I need to do. Is, is that is that what you pray though? Do you pray that when you say that? I just I, I sometimes just get stuck. <clears throat> no, so like you go to pray and you're like it stops. It just stops. Yeah, it. Just, then you like, can be like, hey God, it just stopped. Can you help me? Yeah, well, no, see, I'm not smart enough to do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's like literally I go, I, here's the problem, and then there's a wall. And before I can, and, and I don't know what it is, and hmm. it, it will show up. And it's not all the time, but it's a lot. And it just depends on how busy and how crazy life is and what the problem is. And the fact that I can't just simply go, God, you know, uh, help me be have courage in this moment. Help me to, you know, because often, and I think what it is, is often what I'm asking for feels so selfish that that's, I've been told so much of my life not to be selfish. And for the last almost 14 years of recovery, I'm being told not to be selfish, even though there actually is a time to be selfish. You know? Well, you know, there's no such thing as a selfless act. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. See, and so if we get philosophical, it makes it even harder, right? Because the reality is that we're these deep, complex human beings. But in the great wisdom of, of, of the wonderful Mr. Rogers, you know, uh, we are meant to be, you know, sh deep and simple, not shallow and complex. And often I get stuck in shallow and complex. But if I can let it be simple, it gets deep and simple, you know, and I can get into the moments. But my brain will just be like this, right? And I go, oh, God, you know, and if I stop and go, I need to pray or I need to get in the moment. And it's just like suddenly there's like this, this vice that just locks in and says, no, sorry, you get to sit in your bullshit, you know, and it's just noise. And it, it's hard. Um, and does it matter? And two, I think sometimes too, you can almost have two, so there's almost a point of too much knowledge on a, on the subject that, you know, and your intelligence gets in the way you sort of alluded to that, yeah. right? Your intelligence gets in the way of being deep and simple. I have a lot of brain. I have to acknowledge that, but I have to acknowledge also that it's not going to get me wherever I want to go. Exactly. Like it's, it's a good tool. It's a good tool, yeah. but it's not the, the end. And it doesn't know how to get out of the way when you want it to get out of the way. Mm -mm. No, I've learned to detach and watch it. Yeah, I've had to do I've, that. I've had moments where I'm in, in life where I'm much better at that. And then I have moments where I'm fully in the head and not in the heart. And I can't get back to the heart. And the smart person would remember the things that they I, he used to do. Like when I was incarcerated, um, there was a men's yoga group that would meet on Monday nights and we'd do about 20, 30 minutes of yoga. And then we would meditate for 20, 30 minutes. Right. And that was the most powerful thing I'd ever done in my life. You know, and I know that that tool still works. Problem is, is I don't use it. And we just talked about it and I still won't go use it. You know, um, I've recently talked about, you know, so you have what is it, DDP yoga, Di Diamond Dallas Page yoga, or whatever, which is a different version. Yeah, it's just a, a more masculine way to talk about yoga. But no, they have 12 step yoga. Oh, do they? See, I'd never heard of that. But regardless, you know what I mean? So there's all these things that I know what tools there are. It's just a matter of my intelligence level wanting to use them. So you're just basically what you're saying is you're deciding to be stuck and so you can complain about it, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's the truth. laughs> we like our problems. I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. You know, um, and it's because, and I don't know why. It's, so I remember I was going to a church and a pastor said that it's like a baby sitting in there and shit, right? 
it's you know you can't pull the mat. Uh, uh, you have to teach a child to you have to potty train a child, and once you've potty trained them, then they suddenly it's no longer comfortable. But until you get a potty train, they're more than willing to pee and poop in their pants. You know, so I'm still going through potty training in different aspects of my life. I guess is the reality. There's certain things I I'm the smartest thing in the world when it comes to certain aspects of my life. You know, which is dangerous in itself, but at the same time too, there's many things that I'm still an infant. You know, 47 year old infant who likes to think he knows it all. <laughs> and that is not the case. Wait, we're brothers then because I'm a child myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it gets me into trouble all the time and I, and I act like an infant. So most of my mornings, I, I have a morning routine that has to be very important. That's what I teach inmates to entrepreneurs though. When, when I get into it and a lot of times I, I, I take inmates like, like a, like a recovery meeting. There's a meeting. We used to, we don't do a meeting before the meeting because everybody's coming in, but I stay afterwards online and we'll talk and I make sure that we can address any issues. And that's usually where we get to talk about what you were talking about earlier is fear and other stuff. And I talk about routines. My routine is I get up in the morning, I make coffee, I, I will feed the dogs, but even before I even will feed the dogs, depending if it's 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., you know, or 6. I don't, I, by the way, I don't set an alarm anymore. I just wake up. At 6? I just wake up. Sometimes that's 4 a.m. And sometimes that can be 8 a.m. I just get up. Uh, it's probably the best thing I ever did for myself. But I'm blessed to have that opportunity because I'm not somebody's employee. You know, um, but I tend to be up between 5 and 6.30 on average. Um, some mornings it's early. It just depends. All right. Then also, too, I'm the kind of person that I will come up out of a I'll come to the top of that dream cycle and my brain will start and I'll wake up in a thought process. Um, and so, but anyhow, I get up in the morning and my routines are, are often built in something that is mindful growth. And it could be as simple as I'm sitting at the kitchen table, staring out the kitchen windows into the backyard, watching the world come alive and I'm listening to jazz you know, or it could be that I'm listening to John Maxwell and something on leadership, or it could be, you know, I'm listening to a book on tape. Do you listen to Jacko? I like, I like him. Um, he can be a He's little hardcore, man. Yeah. He can be a little <laughs> hardcore at that time of the morning. Um, <laughs> Wake you up though. Yeah. Uh, Black coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, so there's a variety of choices I, I need to be uplifted because I am, it's iffy on what side of the bed I wake up and my, I have a very strong negative, I've developed this very strong negative voice over the years that when I get up, I'm not a happy camper. Um, so I control my environment in the mornings. I do my best to stay out of emails and certain, or if I do look, I, if it's negative, I will not touch it. I come back to it later. Did you ever hear about your shadow? Uh-uh. The I've shadow. Seen it a couple times, but I've never heard about it. Never the Jungian concept of the shadow. Uh-uh. Are you going to like me or are you just going to leave it there? I'll let you look into it. Okay, so hold on. Hold on. Well, okay, so. I'm not articulate enough to talk yeah, about it the way other people can. Union? Yeah, J U N G. Carl Jung. Carl Jung. Oh. Shadow. Okay, shadow. All right, I'll look you, that up. You can do shadow work. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll pull up some stuff. 
It's just you're you're in a data collection. I just wanted to give you the idea to see if it sounded interesting to you. Yeah, it wasn't I, a suggestion. It, no, it was, no, it was I, like a sales pitch to like see. No, I, I I've worn out a lot of things that I do. You know, um, I went through a period where I'd get up in the mornings and I'd listen to chill hop in the morning you know so it was upbeat but it was mellow at the same time too um i'm always looking for something to in, intrigue my brain and getting it engaged in a positive way before you know the day creeps in and someone throws a problem on my plate well part of the shadow is it's not about running away from the pain it's about running into it mm -hmm. so the obstacle is the way <clears throat> like the fear right like face everything and rise yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, have you ever read the book, the obstacle is the way by, no, I'll probably get it now though. Um, I'll, I can I can see the cover. It's a, a, a it's based on Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I can't remember who the guy is who wrote the book though. I'll find it. Yep. Is it, it's, is it old school or is it new? No, well, it's, it's relatively new last 10 is years. It like an interpretation of Aurelius. Yes. I'm going up. Yeah, it's good. I liked Aurelius. He's got a good meditation book. Yeah, um, it's, it's he's very stoic. God. Yeah, it, it, it's it's based in stoicism, and and whatnot. So it, I'm an audio book person. If I read, I tend to fall asleep. So um, I'll get up and I'll listen, or I'll go to the gym and I got it in my ears, um, and whatnot. Um, and so I'm trying to do that like, kind of stuff in the morning too, where I, I go to the gym before I get engaged at work. So a lot of times my work day does not start till about 10 a.m. But, and then, you know, it could go late, it could not. Again, I'm trying to control the amount of hours and I'm blessed to have that. Um, and I'll still complain about the hours that I have because it's usually also involving nonstop fires. Yeah. And that's, that's rough to my psyche right now because I still haven't gotten full over being burned out. Um, I never healed completely, uh, I band-aided it. And um, there were some great moments through COVID well, I mean, if you, did you, I don't know if you noticed this, but because the lack of traffic and stuff, and I don't know, I know you're in the PA area now, and I don't know if you were in California or wherever through some of that, but the sky got much bluer like a kid from when we were kids and how blue that sky was. There was moments when traffic had really died down, at least here in North Carolina. I was like, wow, this guy's just so rich. And I was able to start healing through some of that, but then you know, then I had to get busy and start solving problems again. I hadn't been mentally ready. So anyhow, variety of different things. That was, hey, I thought we were supposed to end this thing. What happened? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's still good stuff, though. This is a good sign. It means it's a good deal, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's like yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, I know. Joe's smart enough to go, okay, we're done. <laughs> Unless it's Alex Jones. <laughs> You know, it's amazing, too, that Joe will talk. He does multiple podcasts in a day at times. You know, so he will do six, seven hours in the seat talking. God bless him. I mean, he makes he makes things look so easy. You know. Well, do you ever listen to his first ones? No, um, they're, so yeah. <laughs> they're so bad. They're so bad. Yeah, I, I've seen clips. And, you know, because it was just him hanging out, talking with buddies after a show. Yeah. You know. But you know what? Like him leaving those up there for people to see, 
was really helpful because it's like, oh, like here's the best podcaster maybe in the world. Like, got to be close. And this is what he looked like when he started and he kept going and he still got success. So, like, I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah, some of the most interesting stuff here recently has been his conversations with Adam Curry. Um, Adam Curry was the VJ on 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 MTV. I don't know who that is. Okay, um, so Adam Curry. What's MTV? <laughs> um, Adam Curry is, is they call and Joe Rogan says this. He was the godfather of podcasting. Um, and stuff said that, and you know. Um, I've been appreciative. I've been, you know, I appreciate Joe for the simple fact of some people want to give him shit and and whatnot, but the variety of guests, I I get tired of some of the comedians at times, but the people that he's been able to have in that chair and give them a platform to discuss something and with, and being able to discuss sometimes even extremely hard topics without judgment. He's helped some people. I mean, he's, you know, I've seen him, because his stance on vegan versus meat is pretty strong. And he's been, you know, he's gotten a little carried away at times, but I still appreciate his ability to still not flip-flop on either side of a subject often. But he will openly play devil's advocate at times as well, you know, just to tease out the subject. And that's good too. I've seen him do it with Candace Owens. That's the only time I've seen him do it. She's the black chick, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Real attractive. Uh, yeah, she's conservative black chick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've watched a couple of her things, and I'm like, oh wow, you know, she's actually got an interesting voice. She's not wrong on everything. No, she's no, not at all. And the same thing with Ben Shapiro, and and then I've sat down and watched Ben Shapiro stuff. But his interviews with Ben Shapiro have been great, you know, because all I knew of Ben Shapiro when I got introduced to him through Rogan. All I knew about him was what people said about his interview process because he is a pit bull. He's a shark. He'll go after you in a heartbeat because he's hyper. Shapiro? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's very intelligent and he, he, he will stick to a fact when most people cannot stick to a fact. And so he will hold you accountable in that space for what his belief system is. And so I've watched his podcast as well and I realized, wow, he's actually pretty on, spot on because again i'm a middle kind of the road person so i understand very conservative you know conservative points of view and i can understand very liberal points of view i just feel like we need to be somewhere close to the middle you know for a healthier society and so when i hear good thought processes and it doesn't matter if i am on that side when you can articulate it 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 helps me you know most people that's the hard part is they can't articulate well their thought process i have a hard time doing that but i appreciate those who can joe does that well you know a lot of his guests that he gets can do that well but you know again um ben shapiro's jocko can do that as well too when it comes to the thought process of leadership and whatnot he's really good he's yeah i like jocko a lot you know um andy frazella can too but he's screaming it at you and it's very beat into you these days and i can only take that in bits and pieces Oh. There's um there's a movement that you might be interested in called Unity 2024. And it was by Brett Weinstein. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did he, got, yeah. he got shut down on Twitter for it for some reason. Really? So I like but his ticket it. his ticket was Crenshaw and Gabbard for 2024. So I like Brett Weinstein because he he's thinking around the problems. 
and from all aspects and from the psychological teasing out the psychological effects of us as human beings and and how we are and it's the same thing as neil degrasse tyson teases out the the effects of every por portion of the um in astrology uh, uh i dig um um oh shoot he's just escaped me the uh, canadian um peterson uh, I, yeah yeah jordan peterson i dig the fact that you know he's not backing off the fact that this is just psychology and you know like when you when he talks about feminism he's like look you can say this and this and this but the fact is is there's more engineers because of psychology of, of human beings and there's more this here when there's more you know it the hard part I have with Peterson is he uses words that I don't use and I have to sometimes stop and look at what he just said <laughs> you know because it's his his he's got a, a he's got a, he's eccentric a, yes he is and he, he uses words in ways that I've not heard he uses words I don't understand um they're very academic and um but I appreciate what he says uh, because he's not trying to get on either side of the subject. He's trying to say, this is just the psychological fact that we understand about human beings. And that you do you however you need to do. But if you ask me the question, this is my answer. He's got a really good program called Life Authoring. Okay, I'll have to check that out too. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I appreciate it. I appreciate the, the people who are bringing different points of view and they're not just down the mainstream and they're not telling you what you want to hear. Um, That's what I like. I just like to think about stuff mm -hmm. like I, I've been trying to really hard lately because there's what the news and the media and like even social media kind of represents, which is like kind of far, loud, screamy left people and then far right, loud, screamy right people. But really, I think most Americans are more moderate to the center, right? But for right. some reason, these loud, screamy ones are getting all the power because if you piss them off, then they go get you fired. And, you know, it's like all this bullshit. And so I've been trying to just realize that just because they're red or blue doesn't mean they're anything good or bad. Mm -mm. I it's the extremes that are dangerous. Yeah. I, I just care that you're not an asshole. You know, I don't know, care about that even. Well, I mean, if, if someone wants to come and talk to me and act like an asshole continuously, there's where my problem lies. You know, I don't care if you're red, green, blue, fat, yellow, brown, male, female, transgender, whatever. Just come be a decent person around me. And then let's have, you know, and then let's just try to get to the, the same place together. But let's not forget the fact that, yes, we do have to give, try to help our society, but we also got to protect the eggs all at the same time. And so that we seem to be at such a torn spot that, and again, we, it goes back to the movie, The Social Dilemma, right? It taught us so much about the fact that you get, you're often fed, you know, so much of society is fed one voice, you know? And it's by design is which is, that's what's yeah. scary. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm a, it's it's going to get weird. I mean, the population is a real issue, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure the smartest people in the world got it figured out what population we'll get to before we're actually in trouble as far as running out of resources and capacity to maintain. So it wouldn't surprise me if they have that on a timeline and they're I starting to make that. preparations for it. I feel like Joe Rogan just actually had someone. I just saw something about that. Um and the interesting part is the U.S. population is starting to decline. 
but unfortunately other countries are inclining, you know, at the same time too. So it's, it, it's, it's a variety. So my children, um, our ch the children of our age group are having less children. And so, um, uh, and that is, is going to tease out in some ways. It could, the, the, the conversation was around what the earth can handle, but also um, how it also affects long-term economically. I feel like it's Joe Rogan. It might've just been a YouTube video I watched. No, um, it's going to get weird. I don't think anyone knows for sure what's going to happen, but I like, you've heard of the Georgia, Georgia Guidestones. Mm -mm. that's kind of for right now I, I'll, I'll probably get slack on the or some heat on this later but right now that's my closest philosophy for like our species hmm. i never heard of it um <clears throat> you know i'm just one of these again i'll just go back to yes at some point in time i think we need to slow down yes climate change in my eyes and and things could be done or real or we could do things better regardless if it's not real we could still do things better because we only have one place um and so like at work instead of buying vans anymore i buy priuses so and i mean i'm still buying combustible i'm, I'm buying hybrids that it's still i'm, I'm using 300 dollars worth of gas in a month for a technician versus 600 dollars in gas so i'm just trying to be a part let's what can we do to slow down just to create a better space right and if that means in human population, I mean, so Japan and China all had issues, right? Japan at one point in time was like, I mean, they brought down their populations. They were populating an island. They live on an island. You can only have so many people, right? You know, China's been trying to do the same thing. India's had their own set of issues. You know, we, we don't need so many people on this planet. I mean, it's just the truth. And, and do I, I mean, I appreciate at least that people are talking about it and we don't have the need to have the farmer mentality where we need five children to, because they're also there to work the crops um, the same way. Right. So we, we need to rethink that. And that's what Jordan Peterson talks about though, you know, in a lot of stuff, right. He's bring and, and Brett Weinstein brings up, you know, that in those conversations, how's what we're doing affecting and are we just doing things? Cause we've always done it that way or how can we grow? Um, and, and become better and what do we need to start thinking about changing and and whatnot and it doesn't mean everybody has to but it has to be a collective society thing and sometimes those mm -hmm. scales tip you know yeah. as, as a society they tip in a way that we didn't know like our children my son has no interest in having a child anytime soon in fact he sometimes says no i'm not having kids i get we, we are a family of four and four children and um no one's in a hurry to have have kids and they're on their young 20s. It used to be that's when you started thinking about having kids and they're like, yeah, mm, sorry. And I'm like, good, <laughs> good. You're too, you're all immature. <laughs> yeah, actually, I haven't had that feeling since my high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. She's the only girl I really wanted to have kids with. Mm -hmm. And I just fucked that up so bad, you know, like we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never was able to get back to it. But now I just did another uh, fifth step and like that feeling that desire to like recreate started coming back and i was like Ugh. like i'm too old but i'm yeah. not i'm not too old but you're not too old as a male I, I am baffled by the amount of families that are starting in you know in it's the more 40s, and more in the 40s because in here and it's just and it's just because i am a parent 
my children in their, in their mid and young 20s, and I'm 47. So that means if I would have just started seven years ago, I'd be at the beginning of this adventure. And I, I could not imagine running behind my children doing high school at 60 something years old, doing all that stuff that comes along with them. Cause it's, it was, they're, they're, they don't get easier at their teens. I mean, like I, I've heard a joke and I think it's absolutely funny, but they never say what age God kicked the devil out. Right. I guarantee you he's a fucking teenager, you know, because they're a pain in the ass. Um, and you know, we had multiple all at the same time <laughs> and, uh, and, and whatnot. And, you know, I could not imagine being 60 years old and dealing with a teenager, especially because of the generational gap. I've reached the time where I'm looking at these young adult kids of mine, and I don't understand a lot of how they think or how they work, um, as well as, I mean, I had one of my kids a couple, probably a couple months ago says, who's Billy Idol? <laughs> I was like, what? How do who, you yeah, who is that? You know, it's like, who, what, how <laughs> do you it? not know the name, at least Billy Idol is a musician? I mean, or or whatever, you know, they don't know. He only had one good song, man. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of him. The fact is, is that he was extremely popular through the 80s and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, they don't know, like, some of the artists that I grew up musically or whatever listening or movies that are, are iconic to us. Like they're like, what are you talking about? You know, and I just realized that now I'm completely. They're, they're you're the crazy. you're the old one now. Old you're one. the new boomer. Yeah. So now being a. <laughs> now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the new boomer. <laughs> what do you think they'll call us? I don't know. Um, Generation next. I don't know. I, I, I'm <laughs> You know, but anyhow, it's, it's, I just couldn't imagine starting late. Um, and I have friends that are doing it and God bless them. And I understand they, and I do admire some things because they're like, look, I did everything I had on my phone and now I'm ready to raise children. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand what it's going to be like when they reach those ages and you're trying to keep up with them. Yeah. My ex-girlfriend in California, she was quite a bit younger than me, 28. And there's a huge difference in understanding mm -hmm. of the world and viewing. Like she was almost a communist. And yeah. I'm like, you don't want that. And it's like, it's never worked. Like China's like, you think they're communist, but they're not. There's something different. But she just, well, we just got to keep trying it, you know, like flying a plane. I'm like, no, that's not no, how it works. It, it, no, but there's, there's, there's versions <laughs> that have never worked. And there's a reason why even even the Scandinavian countries that are extreme, which we consider extremely socialist are actually not as socialist as they no, are. No, they're capitalists. Yeah. Yeah. They just have their free market. Things. Yeah. They just have certain things, but they also pay taxes out the yin yang so they can have those certain things like universal health care and whatnot. But otherwise they're like, nope. You know? Well, I feel bad for her though. Cause she grew up in the Bay area of California, like the most expensive place in the country. Mm -hmm. And you know, she wants to have kids. But she like that's her framework of what it costs to live, and I'm like, it's not like that in the rest of the country. Like this is ridiculous. Like you can go somewhere and have kids, and just work, you know, normal job. Like you can do that in other parts of the country. It's just you can't do it here. 
And there's just a lot of kids that have that. They grow up in the city and it, you know, the cities just keep getting more and more and more and more expensive. Yeah. My two girls um, took off to California to go try to connect with their biological father and, and get to know him in just the Bay area. And, um, and they had, they had a hard time dealing with the thought around income. Um, You got to make 150 a year. Yeah, that they were witnessing in the, pe- the way people thought about money and stuff because, you know, it was, and if, it, the, their biological father's family is is wealthy, um, but, you know, and they live in a relatively wealthy area is my understanding. Um, but they had a hard time with just the mentality that they were running into, you know, uh, any help. I mean, they, they grew up with a single mom, you know, just trying to survive and they couldn't relate. No, it's super elitist there. Yep, yep. And I wasn't, I've only been to LA twice and I haven't been anywhere else in the state and I wasn't ever really impressed in the first place. You know, I, I always wanted to go there since I was a little kid. I like the Berkeley, Albany area. That was real nice and clean for the most part, clean and safe. Mm-hmm. But San Francisco, I mean, there's people poop all over. I mean, it's just, there's so many homeless people and needles. Yeah. And just to, like the, from like people that can live well to the bottom, it, the gap is huge. It is so huge. Well, California just think needs to, unfortunately, it's, it's got to thin the herd. And it's not, I mean, I'm not saying go out and kill people. I'm just saying, you know, that's why you're starting to see the exodus of people. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I think it just needs to happen. It's, it's, I mean, it's what one of the third largest economies in the, it's the third largest yeah. economy. Or it's, Maybe I thought it was the fifth, but it could be third. It, anyhow, it's massive. It's big. Regardless of how wrong we are in this, it, it's its economy is way too big. It doesn't have its own real, you know, it doesn't have a good water supply. There's all kinds of issues with what it is, and um, and then there's way too many people and the cost of living, and the list just keeps going on and on and on, right? I mean, and taxing the hell out of people in the process because of what it takes to make that state work. And then it's failing all at the same time because then the, the, with the gap that we talked about, you know, and, and, and just you can start to keep adding to the list. And at some point in time, that list, the, the cons overweigh all the pros of the nice, of the nice climate <laughs> that it has, you know, and, and, and the, the positivity of having, you know, the movie industry or Silicon Valley or, or whatever else it is that are attracting people. So, I felt really intimidated there for sure. Like, like I, I, I do have relatively high ability to understand things, but there, dude, it's a whole nother level. Like that's the center of the world. Silicon Valley, Facebook, Google, all them guys, they, they shift governments now, you know? And yeah, like the, the people that work for them, I mean, it's just such a different echelon. Yeah. I mean, the town I'm living, like I, I, I can't like Raleigh's not a big place, right? Raleigh. I mean, it's, it's big, but it's not big. It's, it's, it's not podunk, but it's not nothing either. That's you know? nice. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, and I can't stand to live in that much traffic and it's nowhere near California. You know, um, I, I don't want to live in Charlotte. Charlotte's traffic is reaching a point sort of like DC at any point in time, it could turn South on you, you know? Because that's what DC traffic is. I mean, there's so many people, and everything's a freaking. All the roads are spaghetti. Any point in time, you know, it could be whether it's eleven, whether it's nine a.m. or eleven a.m. or or one o'clock in the afternoon, or it's going home time. 
any some moron does the wrong thing and next thing you know traffic sucks right um and that's how california was it was like it it you know i went out there and and one of my kids came down from san francisco and um and visited we drove out to out to the ocean which was a 15 minute ride to get out there but it was like 2 30 in the afternoon i said oh we need to get back before traffic hits too late hours (laughs) with that said i moved moved out to you know i moved out to burlington and we're a town of uh, 50 80,000 people and there's no traffic at all like it is rare that i miss a light cycle you know because the way the town's built you know we got i-40 that runs right through it and then there's no major town on either side so it's only the people that live in town and then if they actually have to go anywhere they go to the highway and go left or right and go to wherever they got to go and it's great um i have no interest in living in those situations anymore where i have to you know sit in traffic the same way no san francisco is ridiculous the traffic Mm -hmm. Yep. It's not if it's not when someone makes a mistake, it's going to bottle up. It's just going to bottle up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just it, what time by what time is it going to be by six today or is it a.m. or is it going to be by six thirty a.m.? Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's just I do have to get. I do have to cut this out. I have to cut this short. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got your wisdom bomb of attitude. The yeah. number one yeah. thing you would pass on to the. To the next generation yeah any way to get that to change that you got any helpful hints um again going back to what your old program's about it's about being mindful understanding that who you are today will not be the same person in 10 years um but to become the man or woman that you want to become takes work And so that goes back to the whole mindful aspect of life, right? Is you have to understand that it's not given. It's usually got to get learned. And when we have these beautiful tools today, like YouTube, like audio books, we have all this way to get information in, in, in so many different ways while we're on the go. Um, And we can control that information too, right? through subscriptions and everything else. And we can learn and become through other people's experiences. So we can get intelligent before we, and and learn so much more before we have the wisdom of life. That makes sense. I think it's one of those things you get to contemplate on. Yeah, you get to work. It's much easier to work on who you want to become today than it would have been 50 years ago where there was a lack of informational flow an experience, right? I'm talking to you from how many hundreds of miles are separating us right now, right? Probably, I don't know, what, nine? Know, Six, uh, 600, I don't know. I don't know, a long ways. Yeah. Like where, you know, and, and that's how information is in wisdom and experience and whatnot. You know, we're a visual world. You, you can take advantage of it. And that's how you can get started early is understanding that, hmm, am I, am I the person that I want to be and so like my business coach said, um, communication is the response you get, All right? And that's a simple statement, but it's extremely deep. Um, if people are continu- continuously reacting or communicating back to you in ways that you don't like, you need to be taking a look at yourself, you know? Yeah, that was a good one too. 
Oh, I can feel it. That was the one we're adding on right there. Yep. You want to do this again? Anytime. I like to chit chat. Obviously. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to stop talking to me because we'll keep going. My we'll wife just keep going. Okay. You know, she can't right. get me out of the room. <laughs> Go watch some football. All right, dude. Man, you have a good night. All right, see ya. All right.